Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And I'm Jesse, and we have the dad fathers coming at you with some Bostonian kind of energy. Is that, is that Boston energy? Bostonian. That I said Bostonian. Bostonian. And joining Boston. us for this very special occasion is Patty Patty Cakes. <laughs> from, yeah, yeah. from from previous episode, Con Air. Otherwise known as Patio Pat. <laughs> for for yeah. anyone listening, none of these are my real name. I go by Pat. <laughs> if you if you hadn't guessed. <laughs> and welcome, Pat. And if you guys have not guessed what we're doing this week, we are doing Martin Scorsese's, uh, the third movie in our Martin Scorsese uh, grab bag ensemble. Is this the third or the fourth? I don't remember. This um, is the third. The third. Either yeah, way. Casino is going to be our fourth. Oh, okay. I think. Um, and, well, Casino is going to be our fourth, so that's the one coming after this one. And this one is The Departed. 2006 The Departed. Thank you, Jesse, for stepping on me. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> oh, I, I know you enjoy stepping on people. <laughs> the Departed by Martin Scorsese. Uh, why are we doing this movie? Dan, why are we doing this movie? I mean, we're doing it because of Scorsese gangsters, obviously. We're also doing it because it's it's a movie that came out when all of us were in high school. And I feel like movies that came out when I was in high school they're always going to have like a strong nostalgic feel to them. At least for me, like anything that came out when I was a teenager was like imprinting in my mind and my soul. And I will never forget them. And this is one of those movies. So yeah, I think that's why we're doing it. So wait, were you the one that really wanted to do this movie? I actually don't. I think Vito was the one that really wanted to do it. And he's not here today. And he's not here today. Unfortunately, um, he has a mad case of the sniffles. Yeah. Yeah, he's sick. But um, I, I, I did, heard he I was a rat. Really... Yeah, he was I, rat. I heard he got a mad case of being a rat. <laughs> he's oh, on yeah, some you other podcast no right now <laughs> using his flip phone. He's ignoring us. He's a cop. Cap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's ignoring us. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think that's a really good summary of, of why we're doing it. Yeah, like this is we're we're in the midst of our Scorsese gangster movies, and um, and I I think it would be very amiss if we if we didn't do The Departed. Uh, and I feel like this is one of those movies that for me is like why I wanted to do this series. It's uh, it's The Departed and it's Goodfellas. Those are the two that are both like very very big for me. Um, and uh yeah and i think that like you said i mean we were all in high school when this came out and um i think it was it was very impactful for me as a movie watcher movie goer that's for sure um yeah yeah why don't we flip it around here let's talk about the nostalgia like i feel like that's the biggest thing to me about this movie um and yeah let's can we do it. uh yeah can we do that Pat, what kind of nostalgia do you have for the the departed? The departed. Uh, this move. The de- There's yes, no R. Yeah. I, I was very sad to oh, see that Scorsese spelled it wrong. He, that R doesn't. The departed. 
No, this two this T's. is in <laughs> two T's. <laughs> well, it would, yeah, it would have just been the de padded. Depatted, padded. Right. Yeah. It's O T T. The D padded. But I, I feel like I feel like there's a the A does more of an ah, so it's the depotted. Depotted. It's gotta be A H Or is it depatted? We gotta get Bob's burgers in here to say this to figure out how we're actually supposed to say it. I don't I don't think that would make it better. Does wait who has Oh Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, the Bob. missus. Like, she has a huge Bostonian accent, but he does. Yes, she does. Yeah. Oh, Bobby. Bobby, <laughs> are you watching the Departed? <laughs> uh, that was a scary impression. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> looking at, looking so, at your face, in, seeing your face and hearing those sounds did, did, did not, was not great. <laughs> uh, I take that as a huge compliment, Patty Ho, Patty Case. <laughs> The thing right. of Sorry, but I, I derailed that. So your nostalgia for this movie, Pat, it exists, I'm sure. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, no. Never uh, saw it before po- in your life, right? Never saw uh, it before. Never saw. Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, this is uh, this is huge in the Conklin family canon. Like this is uh, I, I remember watching that. Like this was like the first like adult movie. I remember watching with my dad and brothers like up uh, my mom and sisters heard what we were watching and they didn't want anything to do with it. They, I, I don't know what they were doing, but all the guys stayed and watched this movie. This is the first movie. I remember it being like all the guys, just guys watching and us absolutely rolling over laughing at the one liners in here, especially the cranberry juice scene. I put that as my favorite scene because of how impactful it's been for my family to the point where like, I was telling Mike this earlier where we will use cranberry juice as an insult. Like like some, if we're getting annoyed with somebody at the dinner table, like, you want some cranberry juice? And it, it is an utter slight. <laughs> And I mean, my family, all the boys in my family are big on big on being Irish. So, I mean, like Irish cops going after Irish gangsters. It was just it was too good for my family. So this movie is very near and dear to my heart. I I got butterflies when I heard that this one was going to be done, that I was going to be a guest on this one. Um, Awesome. So, Pat, I I do have to ask at at your family (laughs) dinners, did anybody ever punch somebody for giving them cranberry juice? No, but cranberry juice has been thrown across the table. <laughs> and, cranberry, and cranberry sauce. And cranberry sauce. Good, oh, good. cranberry sauce. It, yeah. It's flexible into the sauces. Yeah. Now, when the cranberry juice has been thrown across the table, is it like like the juice is thrown as a liquid, or is it the juice is thrown in a bottle, or like within a cup? Yes. Oh. <laughs> good. All right, all right, good. Next In question, keeping with how the do movie. you find bottled cranberry juice? <laughs> Ooh, that might taste really good. I guess it could be, yeah, anything can be bottled. Um, I feel like most cranberry, most juices are bottled, like in bottles of... of... Like There's plastic, the powder but you're, you're talking. Do you mean, yeah, when but I hear bottle, were... I think of like... Oh, like I guess like a bottle. jug. The oh, jug like of cranberry jug. juice. Oh, okay. What do you what What else think... do you call those things, Dan? I don't know. 
Am I yeah, using? I would call it a jug. I <laughs> here down here in Phoenix, we don't call it a ju- we don't call that a bottle. <laughs> wow, I guess this I must be like a, a, a real. I, I, I guess this must be like a real uh, uh, cult, like like geographical divide here. It's like you know, bubbler or like water fountain. You know, like that's how you know if someone's from the Midwest if they call it a bubbler. Yeah, I guess if people call bottles of juice jugs, that's how you know they're from Arizona. I've never. I don't call it. I would never call it a bottle of juice. That that just. Yeah, I just call it juice, or I call it if I have to refer to the actual thing that it is in. I call it a container. Yeah, or a pitcher, maybe, or or a jug, I guess. But yeah, Hmm. never referred to it as a jug. Is that normal? I've never thought about this before. In your household, Mike, do you normally say, get me a jug of juice, please, and pour that into my cup? Uh, I don't know. When we're done with this podcast, I, I suddenly have no idea what we call it. So I'm going to go talk to my wife about it after this podcast and be like, hey, you know how when we get juice, it has it like comes in, in some sort of container? Because you, you can't just, just carry it. it. We all just call it juice. That's that's what, yeah. that's what my kids call it. It's just juice. Well, you pick up some apple juice. It's just some apple juice, right? Like we get. But apple if you juice. said bottled apple juice, I think everybody would assume you're talking about like that. A small, yeah. like a small handheld little thing of juice. That's huh. what I think of when I hear a bottle. Is like it's got to fit in my hand, and like I can drink it in one swig if I'm really thirsty. Yeah, bottled water. That's a yeah, bottled yeah. water, bottled soda. Huh. Yeah. Anyways, so which of these containers are you throwing across the table? Because <laughs> yeah, that's that's really what we're trying to get at with all this. Yeah, are you throwing a huge shot, the shot glass? Jug. I mean, a shot. <laughs> all right, shot glasses. Good. Of, shot of glasses of cranberry. Awesome. Hey, Jesse, what kind of uh, nostalgia do you have for this movie? Oh my goodness! You got to keep moving. Yeah, Otherwise, we're gonna. It's we spent mine so is close long to... on cranberry juice. <laughs> we do. We, I mean, we're going to come back not. to it too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, my nostalgia for this movie is it's close to none. Uh, not completely none. Like I remember when it came out, I remember it being a big deal. I did not watch it with my family. I can't remember why at the time. A lot of members of my family did not like it, specifically my mom. Uh, so mm-hmm. it did not become a hit after that. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I didn't watch it till I was like in college. Uh, and the people I watched it with were very, like, not Irish people. Um, like I, re- like I remember, I was in their apartment or whatever. And we had the, um, we had the DVD in, and for whatever reason, like we had it, you know, the DVD menu on for like twenty minutes, and the DVD menu is just like. Uh, shipping out to Boston, playing over and over again. <laughs> and they're like, "What's up with this Irish shit music?" <laughs> it's like, "Oh boy, I don't think I don't think anybody's gonna like this movie." Um, yeah. so, uh, so we watched it, and then I I think I had to spend most of the movie like explaining to them what was happening. <laughs> so like, it just it wasn't a super enjoyable experience. I didn't really end up liking. Oh, like it's not that I disliked the movie. I was just like, uh, I don't know. I thought mm-hmm. I guess that wasn't that fun. Watching it this time around, I thought I thought it was uh yeah this this is a lot of fun. The ending until we get to the ending that is just a huge downer. Mm. Can't wait to talk about that later. Mm, uh, the ending, yeah, yeah. 
but yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm down for this thrill ride of two rats. You know, one is uh, a mobster pretending to be a cop, and one is a cop pretending to be a mobster, and both of them looking for each other. That story is riveting to me. I love that. Um, I, I haven't seen anything quite like that before. Uh, how about you, Dan? What is, I guess you got into your nostalgia a little bit earlier, but what is your nostalgia for this movie? Yeah, I, I watched it in high school. Um, I remember it definitely being in a point in my life where I I was still very impressionable and um, it hit me pretty hard. Like the I wasn't used to seeing movies with this level of violence and kind of everyone in the movie being pretty gnarly and like even the good guys are like, you know, throwing around, you know, F-bombs and, like, every swear word possible. Like, like, even the good guys to a young person will appear like they're the worst person in the world. Yeah, because they're trying uh, to act like bad guys, basically, throughout the film. Yeah. Like, because they're all the undercover people, and then the people that run the undercover operation are all acting like that, too. Right. And, and there's definitely something to be said that they're kind of... This movie doesn't have very good there, there aren't really good guys in it it almost doesn't have much uh in the way of like admirable characters but we, i'm sure we'll talk about that later i um but i so i watched it when i was in high school i i really liked it i remember being confused at certain parts because um i hadn't seen a whole lot of movies with like matt damon and dicaprio and mark Wahlberg. All three of them were kind of like the same person to me at that level of my life. And so seeing all three of them in the same movie, I I remember getting kind of confused at parts. Um, it, Wait, he's sending himself out to go be undercover? Damn, what's happening? And find himself. <laughs> From himself? And himself has to find himself? Like, I just thought they were all clones, like, in The Prestige. Like, they've made clones of themselves. <laughs> They're all walking around doing different stuff. Um, Spoilers for The Prestige. Yeah. Uh... Didn't expect those to come. Anyway, it's fine. Um, yeah, sorry. I, the Prestige was on my mind because you mentioned it came out the same year, Mike, earlier. So I Right, yeah. Um, that's true. That's, it is. That's why it popped in my head. But, yeah, so I, I definitely... I've been, I would say this, I've been looking forward to watching this movie ever since I saw it in high school. I just have never sat down and actually rewatched it. Whoa, and, really? This is the first time yeah. you've rewatched it since high school? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. And I don't know why. I think I just, I wasn't, I don't know. Like I knew, I knew that it's a, a more serious movie and, um, kind of a bummer, like Jesse said, and, yeah, I I was very excited to do this series because of this movie as well. It's actually the only one out of the four that we're doing that I had seen before, which like for some reason Scorsese has always slipped my watch list. I don't know why. Um, I'm always being recommended his movies, and for whatever reason, I rarely get around to them. Maybe it's because they're so long. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm. Definitely- that's what it is for me. <laughs> yeah. The length <laughs> of them. Um, and just the, it's almost intimidating knowing that it's a Scorsese movie. You're like, I don't, I don't want to sit down and watch this when I'm tired or when I like 
or watch it with someone that's not going to like it. Like I want to make sure that the, the environment is perfect to watch a Scorsese movie. And sometimes I think that intimidates me into not watching them. Um, so anyways, that's my nostalgia. What, what about you, Mike? Um, I, it rhymes pretty closely with, with you. Um, although I think, I don't know, I don't remember for sure when I saw this, but came out in 2006. I was about 16 when it came out. I don't think I saw it when it came out. Although, although I mean, like, looking at the, the, I was looking through like the Oscars for 2016 and everything in it feels really familiar. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I remember like sort of the drama surrounding this Oscar season. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so I might've gone to see it in the theaters, but I think that how I saw it was on actually on a um, one of remember those iPods that were iPod videos that had just come out in like 2017. <laughs> I didn't actually own one. <laughs> But in 2017, I went to boarding school. And in boarding school, there were a couple of rich kids who had these iPod videos. And they were full of movies. There was like the Fast and the Furious movies, The Departed. There, I don't know, a few other movies like that. And I'm pretty sure that's the first way I watched The Departed. <laughs> I know I watched it on one of those on iPod videos. By, yeah. by one inch screen. <laughs> the way the way it's meant meant to be seen. <laughs> the way you, Scorsese intended. Did, did you watch it by yourself or by myself, yeah. Okay. Well, so I, like we well, weren't allowed to do this. It was boarding so. school. I would hope so too, but you just you borrowed your your you haven't even given them a name, you just called them rich kids. You borrowed the rich kids <laughs> iPod. And then, and then just took it and like, I'm going to watch The Departed on this. Yeah. Hey, okay. Can so, I borrow this for three hours? <laughs> this is a part of my life I haven't really shared on the podcast before, but I went to boarding school for two years and it was basically not bad. It was, it was, it was great. It was great. It was kind of like prison. We would trade people things. We, like I traded cigarettes for access to people's uh, iPods. <laughs> um <laughs> So, so funny. you know, such a um, funny sentence to say all the contraband <laughs> a long time ago. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, it was it was like this whole underground, um, uh, I don't know, currency black market, black market we're, situation. We're, so, you know, like you they the would Frank? trade that and we would. What's that? Were, were you the Frank Costello of I can neither confirm nor deny, and we're gonna we're gonna bleep that name out. Um, <laughs> I was not, you know, doing anything anyone else wasn't, you know, taking my cut, collection money, protection like a survivor. money. Yeah, I'm a survivor. Um, yeah, no, but so that's my nostalgia. It's very, very much like connected with my time at, at this boarding school and the people I went to school with there. Um, they like I had several friends. We all loved it. Um, we were very Irish, um, and there was a bit of a culture of that at the school. And yeah, I, uh, what's that? I have to ask. I have to ask. Was one of the movies they had on there Boondock Saints? <laughs> yes, of course, of course. <laughs> oh no! I I had a roommate at one point, and he had a Zune, which also dates me. But oh yeah, the Microsoft had, competition to uh, iPod to yeah. iPod, yeah. 
Um, yeah. which totally flopped and doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. But yeah, well, I see Zunes everywhere now. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but he had Boondock Saints on his Zune, and I remember him watching it, and he wanted me to watch it on his Zune, and I I turned it down, or maybe I didn't have enough cigarettes. I don't remember, but. <laughs> It was back uh, in the dark days. That's amazing. Yeah. It was a weird time. Like so so this movie in general, it's like it's very I like I don't mean to say this in a bad way, but it's very dated, right? Like by the fact that everyone's got their flip phones. And and there's that scene where uh where Matt Damon's like texting um in his jacket pocket by feel, right? I remember doing that on my cell phone at oh, the yeah. same time. Like I I was able to text people without looking at the phone. Um, which I can't do now because now I've got to like look at the screen. There's not that like feedback or whatever. But so like in the movie itself, there's a lot of there's a lot of like I don't know stuff that that places it in time. But I also feel like at least with my memories, like it's very cemented in a very specific time in my life. That was really uh, it was a really important and sort of turning point in my time. So like watching this movie on this two and a half inch screen, I was like, oh my gosh, movies are amazing. That's what I came out of that with. Like that, that horrible experience was like, this is an incredible movie. Just like the worst way to watch it, which is, which is, I don't know. I thought that was cool. Have you watched it since? Yeah, I have. I've watched it a few times since. And, you know, just before this, I got the chance to show it to my wife for the first time. Um, Oh yeah, same here. She, my wife really enjoyed it. She like, she gave it like four and a half stars. It was that's cool. it was awesome. Yeah. What what did Liz yeah. think, Jesse? She was all into it, and then and then the ending hit. She was just mm. like, that, "That was it. That's what that's what we watched two and a half hours for. <laughs> for everybody I was watching- to die." <laughs> I, I, feel I was like watching to see how 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 Mary Claire would react to that, and she like she dug it. She was like, "Oh yeah, that's right, nihilism." <laughs> well, sorry. Right, we, so we know we know that you love the movie. Does your wife love this movie? Uh, she refused to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> my my wife likes comedies. She likes movies where she 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 enjoys movies. Where like there's she's gonna leave feeling like having had a good time. Um, I I I like the more serious stuff. I I remember I showed her. It wasn't the Boondock Saints. It was some other really. Dark, I think it was the Wind That Shakes the Barley, which is if you haven't seen, is a really really sad, very dark film, which I I I thoroughly enjoy. But um, she she was she was not movie. happy. Is, oh you, really? She was not well because with the time we have to watch movies is like right at the end of the day, right before we go to bed. And so like ending on the note that the wind that shakes the barley ends on is just not a great note to end on. She's like, wait, that, that can't be, that can't be n- no. We, so we ended up watching, I think, I think we were watching like the mentalist or something. So we ended up watching an episode of that after that to lighten the mood before we ended our day. <laughs> I thought that was like a crime show where people get murdered. Oh, but it's 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 kind of like um, you ever, have you ever seen like Bones or White Collar? I haven't seen Castle. No, actually, I haven't seen. Okay, any of them. it's crime. They're crime. They're crime shows. They're, they're like serious crimes, but like there's there's humor and quips and a, gotcha. like hilarious 
one-liners scattered. Oh, throughout. so it's like one of those NCIS sort of shows. Yeah, it's lighter. Yeah, it's but light. but enjoy. Okay. Yeah, but enjoyable. <laughs> All right, thank you for the clarification. <laughs> yeah, I, I think those shows are either like you know Psych or NCIS, or they're like Luther, where it's just a downer of a time yeah. the entire time. Yeah. No. No. She. No. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, no, Luther. Luther's definitely not something we'd be ending our day on. No, <laughs> we did that for a while. That was a that was a rough couple weeks ago. <laughs> Great show, so flipping dark. But yeah, no, she hasn't she hasn't seen it. I don't know that she ever will. But speaking of what we have been watching recently, uh, Dan, what's up? <laughs> I wasn't sure if we were skipping over. Um, I may or may not have been trying to to skip over. Um, you don't want to well, talk now, about Bowie it's, again? It's it's been the question has been asked. Yeah, um, sorry. I actually I don't know. My wife and I have been trying to trying to keep things light lately and like not do a whole lot of screen time with the kids. Um, for just the last like couple weeks, we've been doing this and. Um, as like Easter approaches, we're like trying to kind of mellow things out for the kids and, and for ourselves as well. And so we actually started, like, we did this, we started this thing back in, um, January. So for Christmas, we, we bought ourselves a, um, 12 puzzle set where every puzzle is like for a different month of the year. And we've been trying to get through those every month. So we actually like we do a puzzle and they're like 750 pieces. So they're not huge, but they're also big enough that it's, you know, it takes us a, a number of times to get through it. So we are not keeping up with our one, one a month so far. I think we just started March last night. Um, so that's how far back we are. We're recording this beginning of April. So we're a full month behind, but, um, I'd say that's, that's not bad. How many pieces? Is it like a five-piece puzzle? Because like, if so, then that's really far behind. But is it like a thousand-piece puzzle? Like, that's the question. They have 23 pieces. No. No, they're 750-piece <laughs> puzzles. So okay. they're big enough that like it takes a few times, a, a few sit-downs for both of us. And like it's it's actually been great. We listen to like a comedian or something light and we or we just talk and it's very like yeah it's a relaxing time so we we're still watching brooklyn 99 but but other than that we're just kind of doing the the puzzle and relaxing that's really cool like we should i've been thinking yeah uh, my kids have been watching way too much tv recently so uh yeah i think we all need to take a step back yeah that's really cool that you're, you're doing the puzzle thing yeah we've 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 I've done puzzles my entire life. They're, they've always mm. been a big part of my childhood. And I think my wife, she, she's done puzzles as well. And it was something that we connected on when we were dating. And we've always kind of always kept a puzzle going, even if it's sometimes it'll take us like six months to get through a single puzzle. But we always have like a, a puzzle going that is kind of a, a way for us to escape and have some peace mm-hmm. and quiet and, you know, fill our time with something other than a show, which is generally our go-to. But, nice. Yeah. That's cool. How do you keep it like, 
like away from the kids or so that the kids don't like ruin it. Oh, you have a mat, right? We, yeah, we have a mat and it has okay. like a blow up, like an inflatable tube. And so you can okay. actually roll it up into the tube. Oh, and it cool. stays like 95% together. Oh, that's so awesome. You, yeah, you have to do a little bit of reconstruction every time that you unroll it, but it's it's not a big deal. That way, yeah, because otherwise there's no way. Like, we'd have to have a puzzle room that keep, stays locked 24-7 if we did not have this, this roll-up mat. Yeah. Oh, we can't go in there. That's the puzzle room. The puzzle yeah. room. That sounds scary. <laughs> It'd be like a, a horror movie. Yeah, um, <laughs> don't touch it or dad really loses it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, hey, hey, Jesse. Yeah. What's up? Uh, music to my ears. Um, so my kids, re- I, I showed them how to train your dragon after getting through all Kung Fu Panda. Uh, they really liked it. They were, re- they were really into it. Awesome. Um, awesome. I really enjoyed it, too. I think you're right. It's it's a really well done animated movie, and it's like it's not a story that's super original. I've seen stuff like that where you know, dad doesn't understand the son, son, or well, that's basically what it is. It's not even the son's fault. He's, he's they literally just hate him for who he is. Mm-hmm. You're looking at all of me. Yeah, <laughs> you just pointed at all of me. <laughs> he's so that. dejected. Yeah, I love that. And, uh, you know, he finds out he still has value to society. But the story and the way it's told, it's told really, really well. I don't think I've seen that story in an animated format told better. Um, so, yeah, that's that was really enjoyable for everybody. And then, personally, I just realized there were three seasons of Curb Your Enthusiasm that I've never seen before. So I got oh super gosh. excited when I realized that. So I've been watching that at night while feeding the baby still. And that's been so much fun. And I that that show is so funny. It mocks everything that I hate about like rich people, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's so fantastic. Um and like the Hollywood culture, it just yeah, it's just there to mock all of it. And it's so it's great. Uh, and then we've been finally continuing our Lord of the Rings rewatch. Ooh. It's taken us a long time, <laughs> but we finally made it through the Fellowship of the Ring. We're on to the Two Towers. <laughs> That's been like just three weeks them. or something, right? I know. We just we haven't been watching it every night, but we only watch like we usually go for a TV show, so we watch like a TV show's increment. So mm. yeah, and sometimes not even that because usually it's an increment of Martin Scorsese that we've been watching recently. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what's up with us. Uh, Mike, uh, I got to ask. What's up? <laughs> feels like it's dying. It feels like each time it's like, that, like, are we really going to keep doing this? Like, this is a lot did, of times. I, I think we, we need a recording of it and we just click a button. And it oh, that would be great. That that would be a lot better. Yeah, because I, yeah. I felt a little dead inside saying it that time. I, I feel completely dead inside at this point. I've done I've done it as many times as I'm allowed to for like the next couple of years. I don't know. I like we're kind of in the same place, Dan. We're not really doing a ton of screen time right now, um, and I kind of have taken a bit of a break since the Oscars from watching like movies every night. Um, yeah, because I did that, and like now I'm realizing I'm very tired. Uh, and I guess it's just like two weeks of, of that to recover from 
from, I don't know, watching movies every night. I don't know what's going on. But one thing that we did do that was really cool is uh, we got my eldest daughter a desk, like a big desk. Um, so she's one of the things that we've been sort of trying to figure out is how to how to help our kids have some space like that's theirs. So she does like a lot of crafts and a lot of projects and they they, they both do, um, which is really cool. But my my eldest daughter, you know, she's more capable uh, because she's older. She's like almost six right so she's got like she's able to manipulate things better and, and do stuff better and and she'll like to keep stuff out you know work on it in the morning um but my second daughter who's also amazing and wonderful she has little like jealous streaks sometimes and she'll be like oh well you know like like there's that picture that the oldest daughter didn't finish painting well i'm gonna go ahead and, and paint that right now and you know it's a whole yeah, thing like it yeah. becomes a whole thing and everyone's got to deal with that so we wanted to get her like a place that she could have like her own things and like a little bit of a an area and she loves it it's amazing it's the best thing that's happened ever in her life it's it's amazing because like all of a sudden you know she was just this like little kid who was you know going to she was sitting on couches and stuff and like reading and doing crafts and like playing games and whatever. But now she's just got like this massive desk that was a cousin of mine's. Um, and she's just like every morning I get up and she's already at her desk and she's just so excited by it. It's amazing. There's like this window behind her. It's, it's one of the most beautiful, uh, things that I've had the opportunity to experience. Um, yeah, it's really cool. So that's that's, really that's what's going on in the household. And now the the second daughter really feels like crap because she doesn't even have a desk. So I'm gonna have to figure that one out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The yeah. age old plight of eldest and second youngest. Yeah, how do you balance it? I don't know. To cut the desk in half. I mean, I guess so. <laughs> Pat, what's going on in your life? <laughs> Way no, too no, much. No, Wait. no. Oh, like, no, Dan's got to do it. Dan has to do it. Dan has never done it. Yeah, you got to bring balance. Damn, Pat, what is up? <laughs> I, I did. Was that a little too much? I felt like you revitalized it just a little <laughs> bit right there. Uh, you, 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 it was har harmonious. You, you, you brought what it was lacking. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we actually, our kids have. Ta are taking a much needed break from uh, television. They were watching um, Give a Mouse a Cookie and this very beautiful and very wonderful and peaceful show called Stella and Sam. Um, it's on Amazon and it's just, it's got one of the most peaceful and beautiful intros for a kid's show I've ever heard. Um, the other one is Puff and Rock. It has a beautiful, mm. I love the intro for Puff and Rock. But Stella and Sam, it's just, it's this little girl, Stella, and her little brother, Sam, and they just go on these little adventures, and she just loves Sam so much, and Sam is so sweet to her. But for some reason, my kid, my boys were still, like, vicious after watching this very peaceful show, so we're just like, maybe we should try not doing screen time for a little bit, and it, there's been utter peace in the house since then, so yeah, they're taking a break from screens for a little while. Um, yeah, me and Jazz, we've been watching uh, White Collar, 
lately. That's been our show. Um, it's just very, it's got, it's one of those crime shows that uh, we were talking, I was talking about earlier where it's like, it's got mm-hmm. quite a bit of humor in it. So like, you're still laughing uh, throughout the film, but uh, we like having like that uh, mystery aspect, just like, can we figure it out before the end of the show? Who did what? Um, mm-hmm. So that's what we've been watching. And I watched one movie uh, before The Departed called Redemption with um, Jason Statham. And I can't say enough. Please hear me out. Don't ever watch this film. It was oh, awful. Okay. It was truly, <laughs> truly awful. Redemption. Hor- There's not nothing redemptive it. about it. Other than like Jason Statham's <laughs> face, that's it. But like the, the plot line, the storyline... The dialogue, even, even, yeah, I, I, I can't think of a single thing I liked about the film other than just Jason Statham's voice. That's about it. <laughs> well, that carries what, a lot of movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what brought you to watch it in the first place? Uh, uh, I, I, since I typically do the dishes, um, and while I do dishes is when I watch whatever I want to watch. Um, and I was looking for, I was in the mood for a movie um, and I'd been on like a gang, like a gangster kind of, kind of kick, but I had gone through all the gangster movies that I was interested in. And I, like an idiot, um, listened to Netflix's recommendations. 96. <laughs> I was just like, this is awful. I hated everything about this movie. This was, this was, there was nothing good about this movie. Gotcha. And it was Jason oh, Statham. Sorry. Usually I I'm like sorry. Jason Statham. Yeah. yeah, Netflix really needs to fix their algorithm. They get they should know you and your personal taste better. See, that's what I believed. And you know what? I that I that's the last time I put my faith in Netflix. I'll put it back in God where it belongs. <laughs> <laughs> so really what you're saying is that this movie brought about your redemption. Is that it? Patio mm, Pat. Stop. Oh, stop. <laughs> All right. Hey, so what movie are we doing again, guys? The Departed. The Departed. Um, Wait, should we sorry, do Sorry, what Can I say one last thing uh Oh yeah. The only reason before I forgot to bring this up in the WhatsApp is my wife recently found a version of Paddington. Um, and the reason I, I wanted to bring it up is because we've been talking about the Paddingtons and Vito mm-hmm. loves the Paddingtons and it's a, it's like an, it's an animated version of the books, which there's a whole series of, mm-hmm. and the way they do it is it's like, it's like cut out drawings. Like they look like pencil drawings that they cut out and they put up almost like puppets and Paddington is like a full on like stuffed bear. And then everybody else and all the buildings are just like, like paper, like standing on end that's drawn on. And it made me realize that I think that's this show might be what they are paying homage to in the second one when they do that whole like pop up book sequence. Um, oh, okay. Where Paddington and his mom are like walking around London and it's this kind of like dreamlike sequence. And I was like, this is so cool. This makes me like paddington 2 even more um because i think that's them paying homage to this this kid's show or this kid's animated series anyways just wanted to throw that out there because we talked about paddington in the recent past and um just thought that was really cool yeah 
Yeah, might be worth checking out the show too for for the kiddos. Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, like that sounds like a cool art style, right? Yeah, it's very clever. Thank you for sharing. Thank you everybody for sharing what's what's up. What's up with your, with your lives? Mm. I don't know about that what's one. Up? What's up? No, it's dead. Just, um, so we're doing the departed. Um, I, I want to just take a second to like do a do a little bit of a of a I don't know sidebar maybe. Yeah, let's do it. Let's call it a sidebar. Oscar sidebar. Um, I feel like the story of the departed is really like wrapped up with the Oscars and sort of like looking through it. 2006 was kind of a big year, I think for for me as like a movie consumer, consumer of movies. There's a lot of stuff here that like changed the way I I view movies or like opened up the world. Like Borat, Borat came out in 2006 and almost won a uh, an Oscar for best adapted screenplay, which is the weirdest thing ever. Like, why was Borat nominated for adapted screenplay? I know it's because of the show, but like, remember that that was like a whole controversy. Like, it should have been original, but whatever. When was it the best? <laughs> well, it's a whole nother um, question. Well, n- Guillermo del Toro did not win that year for Pan's Labyrinth on best original screenplay. Like, just huge movies that have like gone oh. on to sort of reshape the world, right? That that we have because Little Miss Sunshine won instead. Little Miss Sunshine. How did we feel about Little Miss Sunshine in 20? 20- I really hate Little Miss Sunshine. How, how do we I've feel about Alan Arkin movie. winning Best Supporting Actor over Mark Wahlberg in 2022? Is, is that in Little Miss Sunshine? Yeah, yeah Alan Arkin in, in Little Miss Sunshine. I, I, I've never seen it, and I, oh. yeah, so I, I can't really speak to it other than that I've never been interested to see it. I've never been, like, recommended it highly or anything. So in my mind, it's just like a, whatever it's a whatever movie yeah, yeah. i i saw both of uh, both little miss sunshine and the departed around the same time and i've always remembered mark Wahlberg's character and i don't remember anything about alan arkin at all i don't remember his face or anything that he said or did in <laughs> little miss sunshine so i would say that that oscar probably went to the wrong person yeah i i i agree um <clears throat> i agree wholeheartedly i didn't hate uh Little Miss Sunshine as much as some people do, uh, but I was very young when I saw it. And I have not seen it since, and I don't want to. So, yeah. Yeah, but okay, but The Departed, this is the first and only movie that Martin Scorsese has won an Oscar for, guys. This is the only one, and it won four. It won four big ones. Um, it won Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Film Editing, and, of course, Best Picture. Um it, this is the only movie that's won Best Picture. He's been nominated, I think, a total of, uh, what, one, three, four, five, six, seven, like ten times, or like, I don't know, seven times for Best Picture, and has never won before. And Wild. Yeah, isn't that cr- And since, like, this is the only one. And people at the time, I remember talking about it, they were like, this is his sort of like, this is attaboy. Like, you have done so much for the world of cinema, and like so many accomplishments, so many of his actors have won uh, different, you know, different. His films have won so many Oscars, but not best director. It's like, you know, the cinematography was great or the sound was great or like the actors were all fantastic. But that's this director. Like he sucks. 
get a new director here. <laughs> uh, until, you know, until it departed. And people were kind of like, well, this isn't his best, but um, he needs, like, he deserves the win. But then when you look at, like, the other movies that are up here for Best Picture, we've got Babel, which, if I remember, was, like, the the most um, expected to win at the time. Or I, I remember reading about it at the time. Little Miss Sunshine, Letters from Iwo Jima, and The Queen. Um, and, like, compared to other movies that came out that year, it's just crazy. Like, uh, you know, we've got The Prestige and The Illusionist. Same year, Children of Men and Borat. Like, Borat, come on, my wife. Did Children of Men win anything? I or was don't... it nominated for anything? It was nominated for a few different things, yeah. Okay. Oh, man, and uh, it was also the year that The Last King of Scotland came out. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but if you haven't, fantastic movie. Forrest Whitaker uh, won Best Actor. Um for this year but i mean like cars came out in 2006 and happy feet as well and click do you remember click yeah it's great oh, it was a great Adam. year for movies martin scorsese won an oscar but so but like was a fun year that was a really fun year yeah i feel like this was the age when i was starting to be able to kind of watch whatever i wanted to watch mm -hmm. like if my friends were all seeing it i could more or less convince my parents that I wanted to see it and like I didn't I, I didn't you know just rely on their permission for everything that I watched at that point um so yeah like I I've seen most of these big ones and I didn't see Babel until recently but it's really good I definitely liked it a lot um but yeah hearing these lists like you were saying it's incredible yeah um, apocalypto came out this year yeah that's a massive movie in my mind um yeah. it hasn't aged as well as some other other ones but i i definitely hold that one close to my heart oh yeah yeah it's a this is yeah i for this year like i used to even if i didn't watch a lot of movies in theaters i would follow it all through the newspaper yeah uh yeah uh, we Same always here, got the dude. newspaper yeah we always got like what was coming out soon or what was out then and then there would be all these reviews especially roger ebert's review and i would flip to the page i had roger ebert's review and i'd make sure i read that hmm. um yeah that was like a really important thing that i used to do at the time that was how i kept kept up with what was coming out and what was the thing and what wasn't yeah that, same here i i remember um like the, this was the year that Clint Eastwood came out with two movies, Flags of Our Fathers and um, what was the one? Letters from Iwo Jima. Mm -hmm. um, I had uh, I had read the book Flags of Our Fathers like 50 times because it's about Iwo Jima. It's about the guys who lifted the flag on Iwo Jima. And it was just this fascinating book to me. Um, I was obsessed with Iwo Jima uh, as a kid, but I've never actually seen the movie. Uh, but I just remember following it and then like, you know, I was like, wow, this Flags of Our Fathers is getting sort of mixed reviews. People don't really know what to do with it. And then Letters from Iwo Jima came out. And I was like, oh, my gosh, he made another one. And I still haven't seen it. So uh, that's <laughs> it's like my I don't know. It's a weird year. Um, but how do how do we feel, though? Yeah. Like here we are in 2022, like The Departed wins Best Picture and it's an attaboy for, for Martin Scorsese. Is this like. 
is this an attaboy or is this like yeah this is this is the best this is fantastic you know how do we feel about the departed today it's tricky for me because i i definitely feel like now that we're watching a bunch of scorsese in a row you can compare them directly and like it's easy to forget that there are many years between these movies there's a lot of context and a lot of like just a lot of like culture happening behind the scenes and it, in movies and it's hard to like i almost think it's not fair to be comparing them directly to each other um looking at like all of these movies that came out the same year i definitely think the departed deserves at least some of these oscars i don't know about all of them but i i definitely think that it deserves just on its own merits i think it is a like a masterstroke even if it maybe isn't as good personally like i wouldn't say it's as good as goodfellas i would maybe i would maybe say it's on par maybe a little higher in my mind than um the gangs of new york but yeah i i definitely think like when you're talking about scorsese he's on a different level so it's like he i honestly think he deserves every award so who am i to say that like oh this one's a little less good than all of the other shit that he made and so maybe he shouldn't get an oscar like he's operating on a different level than everybody else so i think give him every award and you know you can give some other random awards to other movies if you want but he deserves everything he gets i don't know maybe i'm just becoming too much of a fanboy for scorsese but for all the fun movies that came out that year i yeah i would say this is probably the best picture i mean there's lots of fun good movies movies that'll probably that i'll go back to a lot but like well and like you're saying you can you can kind of forget when you're watching other scorsese movies like how how this uh racks up to other movies in general yeah this is a really good movie uh yeah i think it's best picture what what do you think pat are, are, I, don't, do you I know, really I know the, I've been the queen should have won. <laughs> I know I've been really silent I, uh, during this this whole part, it, mostly because I'm going to be honest. I think I've seen one of these movies that's like in this whole like Oscars sequence. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. two. Is is that the one that you've seen? Because that came out. Oh or wait a minute. Or like cars or Happy okay, Feet. No. Or click. No, I, I missed Cars and Happy and Happy Feet. So no, there's three. So I've seen Cars, <laughs> Happy Feet, and yes, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. Good. Uh, are you? Um, are, are you've you... seen The Prestige and The Illusionist? Oh yeah. Right. Is that on this list too? Yeah, it's on yeah. this list too. Okay. Yes. Yeah, okay. we've got. The... I did see those. No, it's it's Sorry. a there's Devil Wears Prada. Oh, that's all the way down there. There's yeah, there's oh, there's a this... bunch. I I just and Happy I'm... Feet won Best Animated Picture this year too. Okay. Anyhow, uh, I, over cars? I, I, Are I'm you gonna... kidding me? <laughs> cars yeah, is so much that. better than Happy, Happy Feet. Happy Feet all the way. No. I, I haven't seen Happy you Feet. Love Happy Feet? Really? Elijah, yeah, someone, what is a penguin? You're pulling for Happy Feet right now? Yeah. But have I mean, you I, like... seen Lightning McQueen? <laughs> I Hey, I like, I like the second and third one. I think the first one's good too. I just. I'm not. I'm. I'm not a huge Cars fan in general. I'm not either. But at least no. I. 
But they rebuild the town. It's great. They like drive and it's like, hey, use more gas. Yeah. Use more gasoline. It's, it's fantastic. It's a little boring. It's a little bit boring. But gas is expensive, Mike. I don't want to <laughs> see them use more gas. <laughs> Never enjoyed Happy Feet. I, I actively disliked that movie. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I I only watched it recently in like the last year and I actually liked it. I, I enjoyed it quite <sighs> a bit. Maybe you got to be like in your 30s, Jesse. Maybe that's like you got to be like below 10 or in your 30s. And that's I watched it in my 20s with my kindergarten class, you know, during the Fridays. Like, all right, everybody's really beat. We're going to put on a movie. (laughs) What do we got? All right. We got Happy Feet, kids. We're going to watch Happy Feet. And it sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Even like tired and just grateful to, to do anything with like. After a rough week with the kindergarten class, I was like, man, this is bad. <laughs> Sorry. I, I guess well, we're not going to be doing a Happy Feet well, episode. <laughs> well, now I know what my my mission in life is, and it's to make Jesse love Happy Feet. It, so. it sounds like we got to do a, a, an episode on Happy Feet, Jesse. Like, this is, we got to have Dan and... J- Dan and Jesse cage match on Happy Feet. That's what it's going to be. Just the two of you staring at each other and, like, the microphone in between. Uh, we'll have a dance-off. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, yeah i i feel like um i feel like martin scorsese like i feel like this movie holds up and like it's definitely a fantastic movie i don't know if like i i guess i'm just remembering like reading about and, and like i don't know if i actually saw the movie before this happened but i remember reading about this like oh you know like martin scorsese it's like the departed's just here as like an attaboy for for Martin Scorsese because he hasn't won anything yet and like then he won and they're like oh that's why but I think this movie actually really holds up like it's really a fun time and it's also serious it's got like a lot of depth to it um in so many ways and while it's kind of a messy movie I think and, and maybe we can move into talking a little bit more about the movie I think it's uh I think it's still like very strong I actually like it more now than I when I saw it like I don't know, five or six years ago um, on uh, this on this rewatch. Of his movies, um, I I mean, I, I'm, I am very biased. I, I'm going to be very transparent here. I am extremely biased towards this movie to just love it to the end because it's it's Irish. Uh, there's the nostalgia attached. Um, I just I of his movies, though, that I've seen, I found this one to be like where like, I was engaged the entire time. And that might just be because it's more like action packed thing. Thing like gangs of New York. Um, I, I really like gang of gangs of New York. Um, but it's, there's, I, I remember several instances where like, I just kind of started fading into the distance with some of the dialogue. Um, I also <laughs> think that, uh, I, I've always felt like the, the, the departed is kind of like, <laughs> Scorsese making up for what went wrong with gangs of New York, because quite frankly, I think Leonardo DiCaprio did an awful job in gangs of New York. Um, and he was just like, I Scorsese, Martin, I'm sorry. Uh, it's just Daniel day Lewis. He really intimidated me. I, I, I know I undershot. So can I please try this again? Okay. But it's going to be with Jack Nicholson this time. Okay. I can do that. Is that that's fine. Um, <laughs> And and then like uh, the Irishman, which I, based on how like stereotypically Irish I I act, um, 
uh, that should be like at the top of my list. I watched it and it, like it was good, but again, kind of like Gangs of New York. There was just I there were times when like there's just so much dialogue <laughs> that I was just like so sleepy. Yeah, that yeah. Well, I was just, okay. I I understand that there's relationship happening here. That like there's something being built up here, and I'm waiting for the culmination. And like 40 minutes has passed by, and I'm still waiting for like this conversation to culminate in something. Um, so this one, I feel like the progression was very well done. I, I love the script because it, I don't feel like there's a whole lot of wasted. There's a whole lot of wasted dialogue, if any, and there's just, it's so quotable, which I, I know that's like a personal preference, but like this movie is so bloody quotable. It's wonderful. <laughs> so yeah, I, 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 I think that yeah. this would, I would put this towards the top. There's a, quite a few of his films I haven't seen though. Like I've never seen Raging Bull or um, the. Uh, but you're the, just, you're just talking about his Irish films. Yeah, his I and his gangster films, like his Irish gangster uh, films. Well, I mean, like I watched The Wolf of Wall Street. I thought that was yeah. absolute crap. Um, and <laughs> I wish Vito was. I've here seen right now. and I've seen it good and I've seen Goodfellas. Yeah. That's all. That's all you're gonna say. And I've seen Goodfellas. <laughs> I've seen good. I, I quite honestly, I don't remember a whole lot about. I watched the first time I watched it. It was it was one of the first movies I watched in college. Um, this is not a movie that I would have gotten away with watching at home, like even when I was in mm. high school. <laughs> All so, I can say is you should watch Goodfellas again. Yeah, you should Goodfellas definitely watch there. Goodfellas again. Yeah, yeah. you've got All two you and a half hours. Is I've there, watched there, Goodfellas. <laughs> So the, the Wait, Jesse, are you about are you saying you've watched Goodfellas? I'm saying I have now watched <laughs> Goodfellas, so at least there's that. Uh, the only thing I remember about Goodfellas, I can't remember what the actor's name is. Um, he's the, the main guy. Um, Ray, uh, Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta. Yeah, all I remember is this laughing face. <laughs> 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 his, his, uh, his laughing face scarred me so very badly. Uh, <laughs> That was a very good impression, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. But I I will give it another run. I I have heard many good things about it. I remember enjoying it when I watched it. I just don't really remember a whole lot about it. Well, we we wholeheartedly recommend it. So just just so you know, Pat, we um, were... So we just recorded a couple of episodes on Goodfellas um, and Gangs of New York were the last two that we recorded. They're not released yet, but they should be coming out I don't know, within the next few weeks. Um, and uh, so Goodfellas, this is the third one and, and the one... Well, they're, they're already out at this point. Oh, they are? Oh. I guess by the time people are listening to this episode, they've already... Uh, I, guys, I can't I can't handle time. this time shit. Um, <laughs> hey, let's talk cast and crew for like five seconds. I don't think we need to go to into anybody here. They're all very famous and all well-known. We've got... It's directed by Martin Scorsese. As you know, Wait, cinematography, who? Michael Ballhouse, uh, music is by a Howard Shore, name. a wonderful name. Um, it, and then for our cast, we've got Leonardo DiCaprio as Billy Costigan, Matt Damon as Colin Sullivan, Jack Nicholson as Frank Costello, Mark Wahlberg as Sergeant Dignan, Dignam, Martin Sheen as Captain Queen, and Alec Baldwin as Captain Ellerby. And then we got just a whole bunch of people. It's like a rogues gallery of people who look like they're mobsters. It's Ray Winstone, Vera Farm. Well, Vera Farmiga is the psychiatrist. She doesn't look like a gangster. 
Got Anthony Anderson, Kevin Corrigan, James Badge, Dale, David O'Hara, Mark Rolston, and Robert and Robert Wahlberg. Somehow Donnie didn't get into this, but Robbie did. I don't really know why. Um, Mark's cool. Mark's one of Mark's brothers here. I do want to mention that this movie is adapted from a movie called Internal Affairs, which is a Hong Kong movie by two writers who are fairly famous, I guess. Um, Alan Mack and Felix Chong um, were directed and written by them. Um, and apparently it's basically the same story. Martin Scorsese saw it, thought it was incredible, and decided to bring it to America and set it around um, a Whitey Bulger lookalike, um, which is kind of essentially how I understand the creation of this movie went. Um, I... I did hear that actually Martin Scorsese only read the screenplay. He didn't actually watch the movie until after he had completed The Departed. Really? So he oh. purposely didn't watch it because he didn't want it to like make too many creative decisions for him or like maybe feel like he had to be pressured to imitate it too closely. Um, so yeah, he, he purposely didn't watch it until after that's fascinating have you seen infernal affairs no no i haven't either i was thinking about trying to see it before before this but didn't have a chance uh i've seen clips of it and people speak very highly of it but i i have not seen it well it's a takeaway go watch infernal infernal affairs um Anything else that you guys want to say about cast and crew, people who are in here, people who aren't in here? Um, Not really. I, I feel like I feel like everybody here is really, really well known. Yeah. We're finally getting Marky Mark here. Yeah, Marky podcast. Mark. Has so, he not been on this podcast cool. at all yet? No, I don't think we don't do enough biopics. That's true. <laughs> He's the biopic king. Of kings let's be honest mark Wahlberg. yeah yeah every if there's a biopic mark Wahlberg is like i'm in who do i play Ooh, we got to do a biopic series uh there was one that came out recent um the priest one he's gonna be in one he's gonna be in one coming out soon about priest there was one about uh a pipeline that burst in, in the gulf uh he was in the fighter famously um okay also biopic he uh, isn't he joe bell train? which one uh joe bell it's one of it it's a newer one um I, oh, okay it's i i only ever saw the trailer but apparently he's the dad of this kid who comes out of the closet and then is uh i think killed i think the son ends up getting killed and he ends up walking across across America, um, trying to make, either make okay. amends for it, or I, and I thought I thought that that was based off of an actual story. Okay, interesting. Oh, he was also in Transformers. I guess those are not and Ted's, which are not biopics. Um, I'm pretty sure um, Transformers is a true story. Oh, I have based my entire life on this. <laughs> yeah, Lone Survivor. That's right. Yeah, yeah, Lone Survivor. Because I, I, I grew up thinking of Mark Wahlberg. He was the guy in Italian Job, which I loved in high school. Yeah. And then he kind of became like a comedic actor for me with 
being in the Ted movies and um, what is her? What's the one with um, Will Ferrell? Oh, the Daddy's other guys. Home. The, other, the other guys. Oh, sorry. Uh, You're... <laughs> Daddy's home. That's, and no, Daddy's that's the home. other. That's the other one with Will Ferrell. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I, I haven't yes. seen that. Yeah, yeah. There's two of them. Sorry. You're. T- yeah, but the other guys was first. Um, it's, it's where he's the cool dad, and then Will Ferrell's the the not so cool dad, right? Yeah. This sounds like a movie I'd love. To be honest, it's hilarious. Like, yeah, it's like it's they're essentially the same characters as they and are. There's Daddy's in the other Home, guys. and there's oh, Daddy's man. Home Two, which has the grandparents, and I can't. And John Lithgow plays uh, Will Ferrell's dad, and then Mel Gibson plays Mark Wahlberg's dad, and they're the cool grandpas. Oh my gosh! I know <laughs> they sound so good. <laughs> Mike is Mike has a look on his face like he's depressed that he knows us talking about daddy's <laughs> home so I, I say we we steered the the conversation away from daddy's home for just a little bit i'm just Maybe depressed that i his... haven't seen it that i never got to daddy's home guys that's what i'm depressed about <laughs> uh, uh I, I guess we should talk about when or if we will show this to our kids uh dan when, when do you think that's gonna happen there's definitely a lot in this when it comes to language, violence, yeah, a lot of like the things that, like I'm trying to think when I was 16 and I saw this, it did shock me in a lot of ways. Like, and also the language, I think a lot of the language we are more sensitive to in 2022 than in 20 or 2006. Like a lot of like the, homophobic stuff yeah, that's for and sure. a lot of the the racist stuff is kind of territory we generally don't tread on anymore as a society and um i definitely want to i'm i definitely will show this to my kids i'm just thinking maybe i i think about the same age i was 16 17 like older years in high school um, and it would have, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the context that it would have to be in. Cause it's not really a movie that it doesn't have a happy ending. It's not, there's not really redemption anywhere yeah. in it. Right. Jason Statham's not even there to, to be redeeming. Um, <laughs> so I think, yeah, I would say definitely. I want to show this to my kids at the end of the day, I may or may not, but if I do, it'll be like 17, 16, 18. But what, what about you, Mike? Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, I feel kind of similarly to I, the way I did with Goodfellas, like, and almost even like more so, like Goodfellas, Goodfellas is fun. The Departed is fun. These are really fun movies. And I remember like when I watched it, one of the things that was surprising and amazing about it was how much fun these grown ass adults were having cussing, like just saying the most ridiculous (laughs) things like these are people saying things that are just awful and it's hilarious. And this is a fun time. And then it just ends. And you're not supposed to be like any of these people. None of the people in this movie are supposed to be role models for anybody um, at all. Like that's it. 
And I think that there's got to be a lot of maturity for someone to watch, to uh, to encounter a story. Um, not a lot of maturity. Like, I was not very mature when I was 16, 17 years old. But, like, you have to have encountered other things that are less mm-hmm. dark, maybe, uh, and less fun. Less dark and fun in order to be able to accept that this movie exists and there's no one in it that you are supposed to be like. I think, like, as a kid, like, you, you yeah. try to find the person you're supposed to be like. This one, like, yeah. I don't know. That's that's kind of how I feel. But I definitely feel like it's important. Um, I feel like it's an important... And maybe it's because it's so closely linked with my own sort of, like, growing up experience. Um, but I feel like, you know, for me, it opened up a, a really important door in the world of entertainment or whatever. Um, and uh, I'd love for my children to have that as well. I think, I think I do. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't, I also don't know if like I'm the person to do that for them. And I'm kind of like weighing like what comes first, good fellows or the departed, like, which is like, I, I do, I do remember thinking like, Oh, I want to show this to my kids when they get to be like almost adults, you know? Um, which which of these movies do you, I saw The Departed first before Goodfellas? Um, should you see Goodfellas first? Like which whets the appetite better? Um, Ooh, yeah. Well, so that's I, interesting. I, uh, yeah, I'm gonna give the edge to Goodfellas there. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I think uh, I think the ending in Goodfellas is you know he he goes into witness protection and he he leads the life that he didn't want. Right. Uh, like it's like he gets a punishment at the end, but in this movie, literally everybody gets punished and they all just die. <laughs> it's like, all right. Spoilers well, for, for the departed. <laughs> well, not we are talking Mark. about it. <laughs> yeah, so. I know, I know. Um, except, except for Marky Mark. Yeah. He's the only one that lives, but also, like, he's not a cop anymore. Like, I don't think he's undercover when he does that. I just think he does that hmm. um, of his own volition. So I Yeah, no, he's resigned from the, the department at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I was wondering when that happened. Like, oh, did he did he actually resign or is that like an undercover thing? Now that I think about it, like, there's nobody that probably knew anything about what he was doing or sanctioned hmm. anything that he was doing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah I think that's all him. Can... And yeah, he, he may not he may not get caught or whatever, but like he's the he's the glowing example of like the best thing that can happen to you. <laughs> you live, you kill a guy in his own apartment, and you and you leave, and you're done. Um, that that's just such a bummer, mm-hmm. right? At, at least at the end of Goodfellas, like you you didn't like him, he still gets what he wanted, and he, there's you see that there's like a chance maybe that his that his life can be better, that he can learn to accept things. Um, even though maybe that's not even really true. Um, maybe he doesn't do that, but you see that there's still an opportunity. But this one, it's just, when you're dead, it's just final. Mm. You're just, you died in all, like, every every character was kind of filthy in this movie, right? They're, yeah. Like, the undercover cops are in the mire, right? They're in the mire of society, doing every terrible thing you can do. And and Leonardo DiCaprio, I guess he's not technically in there, but he's still he's still basically doing those sorts of things at the end. And he has a guy at gunpoint, and he, he gets killed doing that. 
I, I almost think because everybody's filthy or like there aren't there aren't very admirable or characters Queenan. that you'd want your kids Oh Queenan is yeah. Queenan is Queenan's the only admirable character in the whole film, in my opinion. And he dies. And he dies. Uh, horrifically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty bad, yeah. 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 Wait, wait, wait. Pat Okay. Pat, are you are you gonna show this movie to your kids, do you think? Oh, and uh, if so, like when? I have, I've gone back and forth on that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would love to be able to like do like what my da- I don't I don't know how my dad got us all roped into watching The Departed. I want I want to say that like he and my brother Mike watched it, and then we're like, we got to show this to the rest of them. So mm-hmm. like Mike was able to round up the rest of us. Um, so if I could find a way to like organically do that with my kids, then I absolutely would love to do that. I, I honestly, I'm probably, I probably wouldn't do it until they're 18 or like maybe even older. Like they come back from college. It's like, Hey, it's time. Yo, you know what time it is. It's time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I also, I, it's not going to break my heart also. If like, I, I'm not the first one that they see it with. If like, Sam comes home at age 21. It's like, dad, I finally saw the department. Yes. Great. And then maybe we can rewatch it together again and just laugh about everything. Um, It's definitely one that I would love for them to see. um, But I don't know that I'm going to be the one to show it to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. I want them to see it, but I don't know if I'm going to be the one to show it. Yeah. 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 I don't think I'm, I'm not sure if I've said that. I basically agree with everybody's sentiments here, and I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. I, it is a, as far as the question of which one, Goodfe- Goodfellas or The Departed first, I almost would argue that The Departed, because the gangster lifestyle isn't really glorified like it is in Goodfellas. Like in Goodfellas, you want to be a gangster, and then once he ha- like like once he has to live a normal life, it's like oh, and this sucks. Now he's just living in this very nice middle middle class home with his family. Like how terrible is that? And <laughs> and so I almost think that that could be a more dangerous message or a more dangerous like impact to a teenager to be like oh wow, crime is awesome and regular life sucks whereas with the departed it's like no actually like it kind of all sucks and you you know you if you like if you get in with the crime and these crime syndicates and like you're gonna end up dead that's (laughs) at the end of the day like i I love this the scene where um it's really sad but when the when in the end when they're in the elevator and they're going down i'm sure we'll get into the ending later on but um when Matt Damon he's like just kill me and Leonardo DiCaprio's like I am <laughs> and it's it's a weird line cuz it doesn't really you're like no you're not killing him like are you planning on killing him why did why did he say that but i think ultimately it's like that's how they all feel they all feel like they're dead inside from the lifestyle and the like yeah so i i I guess what I'm saying is like I think that it's more clear how if you if you choose this crowd of crime and gangsters you're going to end up 
regretting it. And I think that's a more wholesome message maybe for a teenager. Yeah. I think you're I think that is a well, I'm not sure if it's wholesome, but that 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 is a good message for a teenager to learn. But but it was like Mike was saying earlier though, like you it takes a, a skill it's it's a skill to like build up to a movie where there is no pr- protagonist for you to latch on to. Right. And they're all because like Leonardo DiCaprio, you feel kind of bad for him, but also like, I don't know, man, you're just like beating people up and like doing, I, I think he's doing deals. I can't remember everything that he's doing, but he's doing everything that the, the mob is doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no one to really latch on to. And even Queen is such a, even if he's virtuous, he's such a minor character. You can't like latch on to Queen as your boy, you know? And, and I think like <laughs> even Queen and like Queen and I think is a good guy in general but he's also running this this ring like he's running all of the undercover all the undercover cops and i feel like you get a sense by the end like so there's the guy that they said uh who is it it's not it's not fitzy it's not mr french it's the other guy i don't remember his nickname um yeah yeah so they find his haired guy yeah they find the dead body and they say like he was actually an undercover cop and uh, like you're not sure like is he an undercover cop he might be but you don't know and like you get this sense at the end like all of the bad guys are actually undercover cops and all of the the cops are actually undercover um undercover like uh bad guys right like like the gangster isn't like it could be that way yeah yeah right exactly and i mean like that that's so this guy I, i feel like there's supposed to be a moral ambiguity that gets drawn out about Captain Queen and where it's like, you know, maybe he's actually a lot like uh, Frank Costello. In the end, I don't know, Pat, like you, you said that you mm. think that he's the most, um, he's the only like good character here. I actually kind of feel like he's maybe supposed to be one of the bad guys um, that, that you draw from this, but uh I, I wholeheartedly disagree with you. I, I, I agree with you on most things. I've never been more on the opposite side of the podium than you at this point in time. Quit, I, I think Queenan is the only... I love Queenan. He's He is the only speck of light I see in the whole film. is in like, just like any sort of... Anyone with a sort of moral compass. And that... And it, may, it it might just be because Queen reminds me a lot of my dad, but like there there's the, like he there's a lot of like just subtle things he does with DiCaprio's character, where it's just like it's clear that like because like DiCaprio's dad in the film dies, like he he's not present at any point in the film. You see one picture of him, and that's when Alec Baldwin's character is going through all the people who have been killed off in uh frank costello's unit um but uh martin sheen's character queenan um he actually like he know he he seen and it could be a ruse i've never i've it's never come across that way to me but like he actually like it seems like he is actually trying to take care of uh costigan's character uh, uh, DiCaprio's character the whole time because DiCaprio's losing his mind, steadily losing his mind throughout the whole film, steadily getting worse and worse. And there's like that scene where like uh, Costigan comes to his house to tell him that Frank's an FBI informant, 
and like he invites him in for supper. He, they, he's got uh, he's ta- talking to him about the, his family's life. Um, he's doing everything he can to meet to meet up with Costian, and like actually like he's the only person who actually hears out DiCaprio's character. Um, and yeah. he's the only one you don't see or hear of doing anything awful in like or he in every in everything he does he he breaks up the fight between uh, DiCaprio and Wahlberg's character um and then even with that one uh that one guy that one uh gangster who they say is an undercover cop Costello's character says um when that part comes up just like the cops are saying he's a cop so that I won't look for the cop in my unit, which is what I always thought it was, um, as opposed to all the bad, all the bad guys are cops, all the good guys are undercover gangsters. Well, okay, a, a couple things. First off, that the guy that died was definitely a cop because he basically tells Leonardo DiCaprio that right before he dies. He said, "I gave you the wrong dress, and I didn't tell anybody." Um, You're when, the rat. Tell yeah, me why. When I sus- uh, sorry, what? His last words are, tell me why I didn't tell nobody. Tell me yeah, why. Tell me why. Tell me. And the reason why is because he's also a rat. Oh, I didn't. So he was looking. Yeah, he's looking yeah. out for his. He's looking out for his fellow rat. I, he, I thought that he was trying I'm, to like shout out to the other guys like he's the rat. He's the rat. And he died because Leonardo DiCaprio is like trying to kill him before he has a chance to, to talk. But then he just sort of dies. I, I no, thought it was I took ambiguous. It the way Jesse okay. said. Interesting. I took the way Jesse yeah. said that he's like, he's like, why wouldn't this gangster rat like t- tell everybody that I'm the rat? And then it comes out, oh, the cops are saying he was a cop. And I was like, that's that's the explanation yeah. for why. Because why else would he not? You know, he 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 was obviously trying to see if DiCaprio is the rat by giving him the wrong address. And so why would you not well, tell or... everybody? Or he but was when, trying to stop reinforcements to coming from from Captain Queenan, who is his captain, uh, right. from from coming to that building that he's going to. Oh right, yeah. right. Oh, that would make so sense. So he's trying too. to divert people to uh, another another address. Gotcha. So he might. But then why would yeah. Co- but when the whole deal goes down with the chi- with the Chinese guys, why is Costigan the only one push, pushing information to Queen? Queen says as much that we have a man in his unit or we have a man with Costello's crew. Well, he's always being ambiguous about what sort of resources he has in there because <laughs> they know there's a, they basically know there's a rat around. I mean, like, um, isn't it naive to ship, think that they ship, never got anyone else? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, Frank Costello never says that he has two guys in the cops either. Yeah. And that's revealed at the end. Hmm. Like, I think it's, I think Mike is right to a certain extent that you're supposed to feel like, right? Cause in this movie, everybody hates everybody. There's like, even like in the beginning when they're doing the whole montage of the training, like the cops hate the firefighters and there's some great um, lines in there. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I won't quote them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to yeah. be demonetized. Uh, but yeah, there's so many, there's so many, like everything's a rivalry, right? In this town, whether it's racial, whether it's like class distinctions, like everybody is trying to, that's the whole symbolism. I think of the capital, the you know, the golden capped, the, uh, I think it's the Boston capital. Yeah. 
Is it the state capitol? I, I think so. Boston is. I think it might be the, the state capitol building. Yeah. Um, and like that's, at, I I think at the end of the day, that symbolism of the rats, you know, clamoring to to get the, you know, to get a piece of, the, high class like rich people, is really kind of what it's trying to portray everything in the world as that everything is like rats trying to um i don't know attain something they don't have or rise up in the world get out of where they are and you know that's what that's what dicaprio is trying to do that's what matt damon's trying to do and they're doing it from very different angles but at the end of the day they like they both rose from being a nobody to being a somebody and they all end up dead right and like i think i think that's why it's called the departed is like the end of the day we're all heading towards like like there's the line um somebody says like oh my my father's on his way out and he's like we all are act accordingly (laughs) it's It's my favorite line in the movie it's such yeah and i feel like it's a it's an explanation of why it's called the departed is like we're all on the same crazy road to being one of the departed and i don't know there's a lot of parallelisms between the cops and the criminals i think that's definitely a a heavy message in the movie i I think there's also back sorry sorry there's one more thing i I meant to say to to reply to pat because pat had actually drawn out a bunch of stuff about queen in and the more I was thinking about everything you're saying about Queen, and the more I realized I, I found all those things in Jack Nicholson too. He's also a dad figure uh, to Matt Damon. Matt Damon always calls him dad. I know that's a code name, but it also felt like, well, yeah, he took oh, him yeah, under his wing when he was younger, yeah. right after his that's parents fair. died. Um, and he's also a guy who I like. I'm sure he's he's fed Matt Damon at his table, um, and he. And you see it at, and the first time he meets him, like he gives him a comic book and all these things, right? He's, um, it, and he feels very disingenuous at the time. Um, and it, when Queenan does it, it feels a little more generous, but still, there are definite parallels drawn between the two. They're each head haunches of their own little unit, trying to infiltrate the other ones, trying to trying to get at each other. And at the end of the day, Queenan is using. Leonardo DiCaprio like in that first scene where they're like laying into him it's very much it's very clear that they are breaking him down so that they he will do exactly what they need him to do and basically destroy his life in the process I like I I like to think that (laughs) Queenan is a white knight here doing the right thing but it's like he's destroying lives and and it's a little ambiguous whether he is in on the whole Frank Castillo being like a uh, informant for the FBI. Like, is he privy to that information? And is he really trying to bring Frank be- Castillo down? It's- he becomes privy to that. That's the last thing that he learns. Oh, okay. Oh, well, we see no, him being no, told. Sorry, not the last thing. We see him being told. Uh, yeah. He, he's, t- he's told and then he writes it down the notebook and that's how Matt Damon finds out about it later. Yeah, I think you're supposed to. But I think that what what like the idea of the rat like 
So I, I think it's fa- like Matt Damon's character is really fascinating, right? Because he he's chosen this apartment, this extremely fancy apartment that's looking at City Hall. And he's like, I want to get up there. And then like the final scene of the movie is like the rat running in front of City Hall. And I feel like what you get as as this movie progresses, this slow reveal of something that we've seen in uh, in um, in Gangs of New York, which is the manipulation of like people who are lower sort of through uh, through different methods. So like I think both Matt Damon and Leonardo DiCaprio, like we've got this clear parallel between them. Like it's fun. It's bouncy. It's really, really enjoyable. Right. But it's also pretty dark. Like they're both treated like neither of them have a have a father and both of them get taken under the wing of these guys who are going to use them to live the lives that they want to live. So for um, for uh, Frank Costello, you know, like he wants to, you know, have sex with hookers and do cocaine like that seems to him like that's what's most important and also have power and kill whoever he wants. Um, And he doesn't really need to do it. Cause he's like an informant for the FBI. So he doesn't really like, this is all just whatever to him. And with Martin Sheen, like, like he's going to keep sending his, his kid to Notre Dame. Like he's got the life that he wants and it's a much better life. He's a much better person with much better desires, but essentially at the base, they're manipulating these guys as father figures to them to do what they want. But then you have this reveal, this rug, pulled out from under you because you've been feeling like both of these guys like oh yeah like like i am both matt damon and leonardo DiCaprio, and they're both good guys and like they've got their their dad with them sort of thing it's like a fun thing that it's doing to you but then you get the rug pulled out from under you when you realize there's other guys there's other sons yeah like you've got you've got the undercover cop and then you've got this guy who's been following uh uh matt damon around who's also you know in league with the devil um Mm -hmm. like that's fascinating and and that's crazy and and it makes you realize that i think that this really is a manipulation game and then the further reveal is that all of these guys like martin sheen even is being manipulated by by the fbi and these bigger these bigger things that are going on and it's it's corrupt all the way up and all the way down everyone's you know Manipulating somebody. I think that's Yeah. Everybody has their own set of rats that they're yeah. using. They've got Costello and Queenan working for the FBI somehow. Because I, I assume Queenan's working for the FBI. I assume he has he's in cahoots with them somehow. Um uh, yeah, I mean at least like he's with like the uh Mark Wahlberg's brother is um plays the FBI liaison to the, the task force or whatever. That's right. Yeah. Oh, but but I think it's also really fascinating how like the first time we meet Martin Sheen, he's right there. He's sitting right in front of us at the desk, right across from from uh, from Matt Damon, who's standing. And then right behind his shoulder, there's Marky Mark. And he's got the most foul mouth. And it's kind of like this good cop, bad cop routine. And and uh, Martin Sheen's like, oh, oh, you know, like we've all, we all have to learn how to deal with him. No, we don't. We don't have to. You have chosen to have this guy behind you <laughs> yeah. in this room to abuse this guy, to abuse everyone who comes in yeah. here. And and this is an essential part of Martin Sheen's character. Like, I think that that's part of what this is trying to show is like he he's the he presents this good face to the world. But in fact, he wants to just cuss everyone out and fight him. 
And then in the end, I wonder if maybe Dignum is the good guy. Like, actually, the good guy. He's got a foul mouth, but is he is he the angel of death here? Like, like the angel of death's an angel. Uh, I mean, that... Is he the, the only, only person guy... who doesn't have mixed motivations? All right, you know what? I'll, I'll say this. We're talking a lot about rats, and rats are like vermin. People that you... There's something that you look down on. Um, something that we use in experiments, things that we can control. And Mark Wahlberg is probably the only person who is not controlled. He's out of everything from everyone, which is why he's able to kill Matt Damon. So maybe, maybe he's the only good guy at the end because he's not a rat. There's definitely an argument to be made. I, I feel like I would have liked to see him more on the screen. He, kind too, of, yeah. he, he pops in here and there and he's like I laugh so hard at everything he says it's it's just comedic gold but how's your mother? you <laughs> find his <laughs> father <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I love the rat imagery though there's the scene of Jack Nicholson drawing that picture of the rats all like and it's like I'm sure, I, I don't know, maybe Jack Nicholson, you know, does uh, doodling on the side, but it, like, it's a very well done doodle of all these rats, you know, attacking the Capitol building. And it's, those are the things I think I, I didn't pick up a single bit of the symbology going on or. Uh, I think the word you're looking for there is symbolism. 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 <laughs> uh, it's from Boondock Saints. Sorry, I, I had to. Oh. <laughs> I I had to. That was a once in a lifetime opportunity. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Oh man, what he does with that that picture too, like the way he like burns it and just like totally grosses it up. Ugh, that seat is so disturbing. Yeah. His rat impression yeah. is quite impressive, though. Fish. I mean, cheating fucking rat. That's just, it's quite impressive. He did actually look like a rat. Oh yeah, Jack Nicholson is one of the best things. Yeah, it's one of the best things that that also surprisingly frustrates me when you find out that he is also a rat. It almost like as much he he's almost a villain you love to hate, and then when you find out that he's a rat and that he's like. He's manipulating these other rats and looking down on them for being rats, but he's a rat himself. It like, it did a weird thing to my feelings. I was like, I don't, now I like hate him, but on a different level that he also is compromised. He's not just a pure villain. He's not just like, you know, pure evil. He's like cowardly and evil. And I didn't, yeah, I like stopped liking, hating him. At that point, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I have a question. Do you guys know what it is to be an FBI informant? Like, what what is he informing them of? What uh, his enemies well, probably, are doing. Yeah, that the Chinese are going to be taking a boat and have all these microprocessors, stuff like that. Like, it's I'm sure it's things that never affect his pocketbook, but things that, you oh, know. Right, which is why he gave them the fake microprocessors. Yeah, the FBI's probably have the FBI probably have the real ones. 
probably possibly <laughs> i never even thought of or, that or he kept yeah. him so this this story is based on a real guy whitey bulger right um i don't know if you guys know much about him i don't know much no, about him nothing um he's a real guy who was like ran the boston mobs for a long time um and he was an fbi informant the fbi i i I recently read a biography, which after reading, I discovered was questionable. Um, But like he was an FBI informant and would inform on his competitors. Um, And like he basically cut this deal with this guy that had grown up in the neighborhood with him um, and uh, like looked up to him. The FBI guy looked up to to Whitey Bulger, and so they cut this deal. So he was an informant for years and years. Uh, but like one thing that I found fascinating about this movie that was brought out in this movie, in the biography, was trying to draw out that everyone said like, "Oh, Whitey Bulger, he's Irish. He cares for the community." This biography draws out he cared nothing for the community. He cared only for himself, <laughs> and like he at no point yeah. like he sort of started off his career by being like, Oh, like that's like with the Godfather, Godfather part two, like you see how the mafia arises as a way of protecting. Um, and, and this is a tale as old as time. Like we see this in uh, gangs of New York, like the, the mobs, the mm-hmm. gangs arise to protect the incoming immigrants. Um, and it's interesting. Like this is an interesting fact. And um, maybe we should do better. Uh, as societies um, to prevent that from happening. But uh, either way, that's not what happy, happened with Whitey Bulger. He just was out for himself. He wanted money. He, he would kill and maim and destroy and, and harm everyone who stood in his way. And then when he got caught, he was like, hey, I'll become an, an informant. And the FBI was like, great. And he got to keep doing what he wanted to do. I feel like this movie does a really fantastic job of presenting that. Like this is this is late stage like Frank Costello. Like he's gotten everything he wants. He doesn't need anything anymore. He's kind of just bored. Like he doesn't need to ferret out the rats. Like it doesn't he doesn't need to have rats. Like he's just doing whatever he wants to do, but it's all just for him. He doesn't care about his crew. He said when this has happened in the past, I just killed everybody. He just kills everyone. And that's what he does. Like, he he doesn't care. And from the opening scene, like, we have this, this montage that begins. And it's like, we're going through all of these sort of situations that, like, you expect to be, like, fun. Like, oh, gangsters are fun and cool. But even, like, from the start, you've got Jack Nicholson, like, coming in and being awful at the at the restaurant that um little the little kids at I, I i'm just fascinated by the way that they constructed this character and how he's really just breaking all of the classic molds of of what you expect from a mafia boss um why why doesn't he kill everybody why is that not a thing he does here it would have made a lot of sense is does being an FBI informant actually prevent him from doing something like that? Possibly. There, there might be like, if I cross too many lines, I will lose my protection or something like that. Or he could just be kind of getting on in age and not, it just like that doesn't 
you know, get his rocks off anymore, <laughs> killing everybody. Maybe he, yeah. maybe like the, the the fun of putting these rats in a you know in a in the rat race, right? Like maybe that gives him more entertainment value or something sadistic like that. I, I don't know. It's it's all speculation. Oh, but yeah, yeah. Like maybe maybe he is bored, and that is a way to not be bored is to suss out the rats. Right. Oh, weird. Okay. Maybe you um, just didn't get around to it. <laughs> are, are we going to talk Two more favorite... weeks, he would have killed everybody. <laughs> are we going to talk favorite scenes, or are we are we past favorite scenes? Pat, do you want to talk about that? your favorite scene? I want to hear about cranberry juice. <laughs> uh, it's just such a, such a wonderful scene. It just comes right out of the blue. For, like, and that's what, that's what I love about just... It was just pure shock factor for me. The first time we watched it, me and my brothers, we were rolling on the floor because because of this whole scene. Um, so it's there's there's also just the nostalgia of just remembering me and my brothers rolling on the floor because of this scene. But it's just like he's just gotten DiCaprio's fresh out of jail. He is running around with his idiot cousin making drug deals. Shows up at this bar and he's meeting the second in command for for our main villain and they're in an irish bar and he did the first the first jolt is when he goes up to the bar and slaps down his hand says cranberry juice and okay whatever we'll let it go and then the guy starts giving him crap for it it's just like what are you on your period and it looks like dicaprio is gonna let it go and it's just like, okay that was a weird exchange and then he just smashes the glass over his head and starts absolutely beating him up and then french steps in and throws him up against the wall and has this weird dialogue of do you know who i am well he's not a guy you can hit almost not quite you're just like what is going on and then french just ends up beating the shit out of this guy anyways it was just i i, I love everything to do with this oh, scene and then the guy and then the guy says, what are you drinking? Oh, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio says, very shamefully. <laughs> what, are you on your period or something? <laughs> <laughs> Only now he can't hit the guy. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That was great. The, the writing in that, in that scene is spectacular. It's like, yeah, that is a perfectly written scene of like, of like random things happening that make sense in the plot that are hilarious, but also like, right. It's not it, like it moves the plot along. It's uh, DiCaprio getting in with the second in command and like showing that he is kind of erratic, like his father, right. That's kind of what he's trying to go for is like, if I, if I beat people up and I kind of have like a hair trigger, they will take me on because I remind them of, my father. Um, so I think that's kind of what, what he's doing is he's putting on something of a show that might not be a show later on of just being like erratic and excessively violent. Um, yeah, it's a brilliant, brilliant scene. Mm -hmm. So I, I actually had a question. I love this scene too. Um, but I had a question this time around about like, so Pil Billy Costigan like beats up, the guy here and he beats up those two uh i think they're like italian gangsters or, or whatever in, in just like in incredibly in violent way in that guy's shop 
is it like is this a show is he doing this to get like attention is there purpose here or is he actually this much of a hair trigger like we hear about him beating up a gym teacher with a chair while he's in the like like while he's becoming a cop like that's mm-hmm. wild this guy's obviously got a lot of anger issues um so like is it just like is he doing this on purpose to get attention or is does he just do it and he gets attention because he's lucky i think what do you think i think it's i think it's a part of him i mean you in the scene when uh uh when queen and and dingham dignam whatever are Mm -hmm. breaking him down like you can see dicaprio's perfectly composed when he first enters just suit like he's sitting up straight he's looking him dead in the eye it's fine but the more and more that dignum goes you can see dicaprio's going like tomato red he's starting to shake he finally has his outburst where with dignum he's barely holding on because he's no he knows he's not in a sitting in a setting where he can lose it because he's surrounded by cops and his superiors um whereas when he's in the shop and when he's in the bar there's he doesn't really have anybody who's directly an oversight for him i I think that's just a part of his character. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I took it as him indulging in his, like in what he would have been if he hadn't tried to become a cop in mm-hmm. order. So is it a show? I think it's true to what he wanted to do. And now he's getting to do it as a mole. So it's like, it's kind of a little bit of both, I guess. Yeah. Almost like he yeah. has the permission he needed to be able to go off on it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I agree with that hundred percent. I was just gonna I was just gonna say um to Jesse and Dan. Yes. Uh you've yeah, you, congratulations. You've totally turned me around on Queenan and uh, my my world is turned a little upside down because this this is bit <laughs> for like 12 years i've been thinking it's just like this guy the guy this is the white knight this is and now now i'm not so sure now like it, it, it was the whole thing i think it was mike you were talking about like uh Wahlberg being over his right shoulder and just like this is actually like the mouth of sauron this is what he would say if he could but he needs to put on this front um yeah. You got the wheels turning. I'm not happy about it, but it is interesting to think about. Well, okay, I I don't think that means he's necessarily bad, but it's just like, look, everyone that you think is good and bad is just a manipulator. They're just rats themselves. Yeah. I don't know. I don't oh, think like he's obviously well, I mean, not there's... as bad as as Frank Costello, right? Well, I mean, if it well, well, maybe. You don't know. really hear manipulator and think, "Oh, what a good person." It's just like I yeah. and I that, so like that, like even if he still stands out as like a better character, it's just like that he is he is tarnished now. Whereas before he well, was, yeah. I mean, he's in control of. I mean, he's in control of Wahlberg. Uh, so like, I know Wahlberg is. I think that that's the point to take away with um, the whole mouth of Sauron analogy that you. <laughs> Like he's in control of that guy. This is his unit. Like all these undercover cops, everything they're going through, he's kind of responsible for. 
This is these are the lives that he is Queenan has given everybody, and you like to think it's really Dignan, but but it's not. Queenan sanctioned all this. These yeah. guys put everybody up to all this, and these people's lives are shit. Yeah. <laughs> they they are mobster lives. Mm-hmm. You should not set people up to be mobsters. It's not right. Yeah, I mean, you get the sense that Leonardo DiCaprio is addicted to pills too at this point, and like by the end of the movie, yeah. and like he's just you know. Oh, guys, we haven't talked at all. I mean, I feel like we should talk about um, the psychiatrist. What's her name? Megan? Morgan? Madeline. 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 But it's spelled weird. Um, uh, yes, I it. Sorry. I hate it. You know Sorry. what? I'm going to say, here's my favorite scene. Uh, my favorite scene is uh, the scene where he's trying to get the drugs out of Madeline. Um, mm. when, yeah. when Leo's in there and he's like, he's talking about how he's possibly going to go kill himself if he doesn't get enough drugs, uh, get like the happy pills from her. And she just about throws him out. She throws him out of her office. Like, it's a wild... I thought that scene was amazing. Leonardo DiCaprio does some incredible acting. Like it was, it was mm-hmm. very powerful. And you see, you see, it's the first time you kind of see behind the curtain of like, well, not the first time, like this whole time you see that Leonardo DiCaprio, Billy Costigan is a live wire. Who's about to like explode. Um, but uh, it's when she's kind of like attracted to him. And then, like, she chases him out and gives her the pill, gives him, like, the prescription for the pills. And she's like, I'm going to fire you. At, like, you need to go see a different person. He's like, all right, fine. Will you go get coffee with me? And, <laughs> like, they go on a date. It's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, in the beginning of their their relationship there, it made me think of, like, uh, what do you think of that? Like, how do you like them apples from... Uh, from- <laughs> That movie, Goodwill that other, hunting. that other famous Boston movie. Yeah, Goodwill yeah, Hunting. hunting. At Damon. Yeah, Goodwill Hunting. You... So why, why are they both? Why do they both have the same love interest? That's one question I want to ask everybody because I, I was kind of asking myself throughout the movie, like, is it just a gimmick and part of this parallelism, or is there something deeper that is trying to be said by the movie that they both? Or, or maybe something deeper about her character that she is the object of, uh, you know, of attraction to both of these very, like, conflicted people. That's a really good question. Well, yeah, I, I think that leads more to the point of her character in this movie. And I don't really like her, but probably because I don't really see the point of her character very much. In yeah, okay, so, so what, like... How does her character play out? Like at the end of the movie, like where is she? So she's carrying somebody's baby, right? Somebody's and baby. we're I think pretty knows. sure it's it's Billy's, Leonardo DiCaprio's, right? Like, yeah, yeah. She makes a comment to Matt Damon, suggesting that he cannot perform sexually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it it make, really makes you wonder whether or not yeah. pregnancy was really pop. But then again you know whatever so yeah there's a pretty good chance something didn't happen there well there's also the last time she sees billy she was about to tell him something and then he says wait two weeks before you tell me i always 
I always took that as like she was about to tell him that she's pregnant, but it's just like he cut mm. her off. So yeah, that that's where she is at the end of the movie. She's she's pregnant. She's crying at Billy's funeral, and uh, yeah, but like, what did she do? Like, it seemed like she was basically there so that way we could like Billy a little bit more. Um, because if you just see him do mob things, I don't think you like him as much. But if you if you see him have like be conflicted with um, with a love interest, then it seems like you can start to feel for him a little more. That's true. There's like um, definitely targeted scenes where he's able to talk about his his issues because she's there. Yeah. So she's right, a plot device. Vulnerability. It seems like she's just a plot device. She, the the one thing that she, it almost seems like she there's the scene where. Um, where DiCaprio says, like, what would you do if your boyfriend walked in and saw us here? And she's like, oh, I'd lie to him. Like, she, she definitely seems like she is a dishonest person. Uh, there's a few conversations about honesty mm. and truth. And she's, she says something like truth and honesty don't always line up together or something like that. She definitely seems like she is... Uh, a voice to those themes of like, you know, being true to yourself. What does that mean? Being honest with other people. What does that exactly mean? Um, Cause that's right. That's a huge part of the movie is these guys living double lives. And like, are they really the good guy if they are always l living a lie and um, like maiming people or, doing drug deals and, like all that stuff yeah. like or the, even like yeah. or even is matt damon a bad guy if he's always living kind of a good life and it seems like he's trying to get out of it right he's he wants to go off and live with um uh, with madeline so yeah it's like it, it seems almost like nobody is living the life that they want to everyone's trying to get out of it and they're all very like yeah they're living living a lie and it seems like she is kind of voicing those themes of dishonesty and lie and I, so I, I don't know if that strengthens her character or if it also just makes her a, another plot device for exposing those themes further but um i i did i did find that more interesting this time around her character and her conversations felt like they voiced some of those deeper uh, strains in the movie. Sure. Yeah, as opposed to uh, Cameron Diaz in, in Gangs of New York. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely... She's do just yeah. there. Yeah. I think it also... Yeah, like, Scorsese? Well, I, I think there's he also... He doesn't have strong female characters. Sorry. <laughs> he doesn't have strong female characters. Scorsese just... I don't know if he can't do them or... They always feel like plot devices, to be honest. Yeah, I feel like this might be like one of the best, and and yeah, I think that finally she's just a plot, just a plot device. <laughs> I mean, I think oh, that there's well, something. Yeah, uh, what's her, what's her face in uh, in Goodfellas? The yeah, one, that's the one who narrates. Yeah, uh, the, wife. the wife. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I can't for life me remember what her name is. But yeah, she had a genuine character. True. I mean, she she almost kills Reliota. Yeah, in bed <laughs> with a gun. Yeah, no, yeah, she definitely has a 
a character development as well. But it's always on the sidelines. Like it's always secondary or tertiary to the the main developments was, and arcs. Yeah. yeah, like Ray Liotta is obviously number one, but she is definitely number two. She's the only other one who narrates. Yeah, that's that's probably fair. I think there's something to it, it with Madeline here about like the fact that she is a psychiatrist and she's like listening to these guys um, that they like they like because they've been like oh i've got to bottle up emotions like we're irish and she's like oh you know the irish are what did what did freud say like the irish are unable to be uh, impervious uh, to psychoanalysis yeah there you go impervious to psychoanalysis (laughs) it's fantastic um it in a certain way it's almost like a challenge like i don't know um but i i really think that the most important thing she's doing is like being that like the the line where they both meet and uh, showing you know how Matt Damon is finally impotent and uh, and Leonardo DiCaprio is, I mean I guess not the actors I don't know about the actors but their characters. <laughs> <laughs> she's like the intersection, maybe she's where they intersect. Yeah. She's like what binds them together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey Pat. I wasn't uh, going to say anything, but okay. <laughs> Do you guys have, we're, we're like, we're at two hours now. Um, and like, I think, I feel like I totally threw this episode off with a couple of things. So I'm sorry, guys. But did you, did you um, have some favorite yeah. scenes you wanted to, to talk about? Um, Hold on. Let me just highlight some things that I think we already, uh, I don't think we need to talk about the end. We've kind of already talked about the ending. Uh, do do you still want to talk about two main characters? I, I think we've we've been talking about them. All right, I, I think I think we talked about that. Do we need to talk about who's a sinner, what's a sin, what's a punishment? No, I don't think so. I think they're rats, they're and so they kill each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Mark well, Wahlberg is the angel of about, death. There's still Pat's question. I think we should talk about and, this. And and, and favorite uh, scenes, right? but also. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, Mike, what is your favorite scene? Oh, my, I, I chose the one where they're, they're talking when Leonardo DiCaprio oh, gets the right. drugs. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm going to say no. like every scene in this movie is my favorite scene. This movie is my favorite scene. Gotcha. Like it's, it's a warm, cozy blanket <laughs> that I slip into. Right. Yeah. It's not, I, it, it's yeah. But do you guys have favorite scenes that you want to? Well, my my favorite scene is uh, it's it's the second time where Damon and DiCaprio are in the same room together, which is you know uh, a smut theater. Uh, but then they and then they walk in, and then there's like this this chase scene. But they're just walking down a sidewalk. But it's so intense because you know if if either of them get the glimpse of the other person's face, and it's all over. Mm-hmm. It's uh, and one side's gonna win. And, uh, and you're not really sure what's going to happen in this moment. And what what's thrilling about this movie is just it, it's this cat and mouse chase that's happening of both these people hunting each other down uh, without trying to make the other one realize it. And this is the physical fruition of that of that theme and that and that plot. I love that. I thought it was it's just it's thrilling. Yeah. So one thing I so, do know is. Uh, I read that there are two scenes that, uh, so in general, Jack Nicholson was given a lot of freedom when he was doing his lines and doing his scenes. Uh, Scorsese would just kind of let him go and he ad-libbed a bunch of stuff. 
And apparently the two scenes that were like a hundred percent Jack Nicholson, one was that scene of him like pranking Matt Damon with the, with the, and the other scene was him in the hotel with all the, with the hookers and the, the cocaine that he's like throwing all over the bed. <laughs> and, uh, I guess yeah just you saying that seems like classic Jack Nicholson to me (laughs) yeah he's like he wants to take it to 11 he wants to make it like as crazy as possible and it it, I think it definitely adds to the character and um yeah it's it's hilarious that that's that that part is Jack Nicholson (laughs) of the character poor Matt Damon he was just sitting there expecting the scene to go relatively normal. It's <laughs> like, oh my, what is happening? Yeah, I wonder how much of a real reaction that was. <laughs> oh, that poor guy. Dan, uh, Dan, do, do you have a favorite scene? Uh, I think, I guess I would say my favorite scene is the, um, is the scene where the, um, the mob is bringing or is trying to make the deal with the Chinese and with the microprocessors. And I, what I love about the scene is you have this back and forth between the, the cops and the detectives and, you know, these, these guys that um, like set up the cameras wrong and, (laughs) you know, Mark Wahlberg's getting just totally pissed at them. And it's, like that is a really funny dynamic in that room. And you have, right. You have uh, Matt Damon passing information to Jack Nicholson during that. And then you have Leonardo DiCaprio at the actual swap and he's passing information back to Martin Sheen's character. It's just like a really awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the, a similar feeling like you were describing with the, the, the chase sequence of like, this is what the movie is trying like culminating towards this is mm-hmm. what like we're trying to all all this has been built up for this moment of these you know these rats ratting each other out and like who's gonna rat out better than than uh, than the other guy and um and not end up dead and it's it's just a really like dynamic scene and it has a lot of laughs and a lot of like tense moments um yeah, I, I think that's if I had to pick a scene, that that's definitely one that stands out. Well, yeah, and cameras in the back. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. uh, he does his job. You must I'm... be the other guy. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Line. Such a good line. I I hope that line. I hope at some point I need a zinger, and that comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> I it's so cool because that really like. Like this movie is like a game of chess where they keep like moving pieces and trying not to engage. Like they're they're almost like because as soon as one of them reveals something, the other like gets revealed, right? They're like like so Matt Damon reveals that uh you know or, or, or like Leonardo DiCaprio texts Martin Sheen and that's how they know that it's one of the guys in that room. Right. Like that's how Jack Nicholson knows. But then Jack mm-hmm. Nicholson reveals that he knows that it's one of the guys in that room. So they now know that it's one of the guys in the other room. And it's like this constant like it, it's cat and mouse. It's it's rat and rat. That's what it is. 
It's so yeah. cool, so tense, but also fun. I have a question for you guys. Why, if if they were going to the for the microchip exchange, then they knew the exact location. Why? I think they say they they didn't go later because uh, there's a rat. Is that is that the whole reason? Is that why Queenan didn't go and stop them? Because at the end of the movie, Matt Damon just like, "Hey guys, we know where they're going. Everybody, hop in a car and let's go." So like, I guess. Why did it happen at the end, and why doesn't it happen at any other point when they have rats and they know exactly where he's going to be and when he's going to when he's going to do something? How come they? Yeah, basically, I'm asking why did the shootout happen at the end? We we don't like so, asking questions like that around here, Jesse. <laughs> okay, all right. Is this just a solid plot hole? So you're saying why didn't? Because they knew the rat was. Well, I thought that that was the explanation that Queenan gave. I, I thought uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's like, why, why didn't you go get him? He's like, because there's a rat. Um, there's a rat in the department. And there, yeah, and... I think that was. I think that's Martin Sheen giving an excuse, or he, he also says things like this take time to build up a case, right? Like you can't if you rush in there. Um, you you know Frank Castillo might end up walking. That's always the danger. Is you go in there and then you've lost, you know, years of work building up a case because the moment that that case falls, you know, through the cracks or there's a, you know, the lawyers get Frank Castillo out, you've lost all rights. Of, you can't accuse people of the same crime twice. So it's almost like. You have to catch people in enough crimes and they're, they have to be big enough that you know, you know, you can get them. And so I, I thought that that was why they didn't rush in there. But then they also write the... Um, Dan, how does Dan, that... I think that this is just Sorry. a plot hole. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> like there's time, right? And there's also like, maybe it's a chain of command thing. Like Matt Damon went outside of chain of command whereas this is within the chain of command um matt damon's operating completely mm -hmm. under his own but like i don't know there's any number of explanations that you could explain it away with but to me that means it's a plot True. hole right like it's not explained in the movie i don't really have a problem with it myself but like you know i don't know i was yeah. just wondering if there's a reason for it but I, I, if it's just yeah. for dramatic effect, then I'll, I'll accept that. I think it's just fun. But also, yeah. This movie I, is about can, having fun. I can see what you're saying. Uh, well, sort of. <laughs> and how nothing really matters. And everybody dies. Hey, Pat. Um, you've hey. got a question here, right? I, I, I have quite a few, but there's one. one <laughs> well, I, I really, I really like this question when you laid it out. Um, and you brought up a quote that Jack Nicholson says. Um, and do, do you want to just read it here or, or just ask I, a question? Yeah. Uh, so this is at the very beginning of the film when um, uh, Frank Costello is still talking to young, uh, young Colin. He says, uh, when I was your age, they would say you could become cops or criminals. Today, what I am saying to you is this. When you're facing a loaded gun, what's the difference? And my question is, does this quote get borne out by the end of the movie? Is there a clear answer to this question 
uh, by the progression of the film. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, when I, before I hopped on this podcast with you guys, I would have said yes. I, I see, I see. Uh, but, but you guys, you guys really did a number on me with uh, this, my, this new outlook on Queenan and, and, uh, and uh, this theory that the the under that the gangster was possibly actually an undercover cop. Um, so now I'm not sure, um, and I I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I yeah, I mean, like, isn't I, I feel like this is the movie, right? It's this slow reveal that like, oh, they're all the same underneath. They're all just rats, or at least that's what we're saying. In the movie. Um, I mean, like we knew the whole time that, like, whether or not this guy is the the cop that you're talking that that we were talking about, whether or not he is actually a cop or not, I I feel like it's ambiguous. Um, like he might be or he might not, but it does indicate that Queenan has several other guys at high positions within the um the, the organization. Um, which he never de- they never deny in the movie. Um, but like we know that Frank Costello is an FBI informant. They won. And so, like, his philosophy on life is, like, what's the difference from being a cop or being a criminal? Like, I'm facing a loaded gun every day, and I also get a loaded gun to, to point at anyone I want. What does it matter? What does it matter what I do? But is, is um, that the question, though? Like, what what is... Like, is that the question that Costello is asking? Is that is that what you're asking? Is that your question? Maybe, like, yeah. <laughs> like, what, what is this question? I think the, yeah. I think yeah. the movie's definitely trying to blur these lines, right? Like, cops and robbers movies, usually we like them because the cops are the good guys, the robbers are the bad guys, and we like that, having that moral divide between them. And, you know, rooting for the good guys, you, you can only root for them if you know who they are. And movies like this, are trying to subvert that. And I definitely think the movies, it does bear this message out that you feel at the end, or at least I felt at the end, um, like Matt or Mike was saying that the rug was pulled out from underneath you. Like, Oh my gosh, some of the random cops that, you know, or this, this random cop that was kind of, you know, a, uh, not really an important character. He was also a rat the whole time. You know, he, he's been a mobster the whole time. He just shot Leonardo DiCaprio. You, you don't even see him when he shoots him. It's like it, that. I remember jumping physically when that first happened. I saw DiCaprio get shot in the elevator. It's like so mm-hmm. surprising and out of nowhere. And I think, I think it definitely is trying to almost like wake you up and, make you you know realize a dark truth at least that's what the movie Mm. would is saying it is is it's this dark truth that the lines are blurred between cops and robbers the the the, you know at least in this kind of a context right it's not saying that in every frame of society that's the case but at least when it comes to like boston in this time period with the gangs and the cops, this historical period, this, you know, this line was ambiguous. 
to some extent. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I think all that's true. Um, I, 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 the blurred lines is definitely a thing, but there is still a distinction. Like I still feel a distinction by all of the, with all the deaths at the end of the movie. Like there is, I felt tragedy when Leonardo DiCaprio gets shot in the head. Uh, I felt um, cathartic when Matt Damon gets shot in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the, they were like two separate emotions I was feeling towards these parallel people. Mm-hmm. Um, because one was a criminal, I, and I guess because one was a cop, but, but it's a little more than that. Uh, somehow there is a difference in here. Um, like there, there is still a difference between Queen and and, and Nicholson. Like uh, we we have been talking about their parallels all the way through, but like Queen and still kind of is. He seems like the better guy. He's not gonna all over everybody and throw cocaine. And, uh, <laughs> There's a deleted scene. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he's not. Uh, He's not all about. He's, he's trying to. He's, he's trying to do the right thing. You could say, maybe. Yeah, it definitely, uh, definitely through the the wrong means and through through bad means. But like, you know, uh, there's a definitely a distinction between him and Nicholson, and then between DiCaprio and and Damon, at least f- with how I'm feeling at the end. It seems like there's a difference, but it's really, really hard to put my finger on. I, I felt physically a, ill uh, when Leonardo DiCaprio gets gets blown away. Like, I felt like I was going to throw up. I, I don't feel that way in movies. I haven't felt that way in movies in forever. Yeah. Um, like, he is a good guy. Like, you see it. Like, he has actually done this because he... Complex. He's got complex motivations, but a big part of it is, like, he wants to serve the state of New York City. He does not like crime. He does not like what it's done to his family. He does not like Frank Costello. Um, and like mm-hmm. Queen in, he's a good guy. Like he's got a family and like, he also does not like crime. And like, this is a place that I love to like sit in this moral ambiguity of like, what is allowed in the pursuit of evil? Like I, I think about that all, all the time. Like mm-hmm. can you spy on people. Like what can you do? Um, but like, I think it's more, more than showing that like oh they're the same it's more like there's these parallels between these people and finally like they're all just pawns in this bigger game with this entity that you never see throughout the film the FBI the FBI is just manipulating all these people and like city hall or like whatever like the the power is that the true power is the one that's making all of this stuff happen just playing with these lives and they're destroying each other like rats trying to climb up there, up to state capital, but they're never going to get there. They're going to burn. And that, and that, I think, bears out the culture, like the culture that this movie was made in. Right, where five years after nine eleven, there's that scene where the guys like, oh, we're like these guys are monitoring all the all the phone calls being made, and he's like, yay, Patriot Act. And I, I was like, that's so interesting. I remember that being a huge topic of discussion. Like, is it okay for the government to spy on people and to tap into calls? And like, like surveillance was a huge, and it still is to this day, but it, yeah. it does feel a little dated. Um, but it's, yeah, it was a huge topic of conversation and controversy in the, in the time that this came out. 
I remember we talked about that a lot with the Dark Knight, and like uh, like the Dark Knight has a lot about um, the Dark Knight or the Dark Knight Rises. A lot about the Patriot Act sort of stuff, uh, which is a couple years after this. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't. Know, does that answer your question there, Patio Pat Boy? Not really. <laughs> well, what, what do you think then? Like, what do you I think mean, about this? I mean. I, I don't I don't know I, it's just right now I'm well right now I'm struggling with a lot of feelings on the movie um, but as far as like just an, the answer to the question um, I don't know because like, like there's definitely I keep starting and stopping like Matt da- Matt Damon doesn't get a funeral <clears throat> within the movie. Well, I mean, obviously, he's going to get the, as as DiCaprio says, the bagpipes and bullshit later because um, he's a sergeant. But in, at least in the movie, it seems like at the end of their lives, they're depicted differently. Um, the final thing for DiCaprio is he gets the Medal of Merit. He gets full honors. And uh, the lady who he was in, comp- the lady who he was in competition with, with the other rat is mourning over his death and walks away from the other guy and then matt damon gets shot alone in his apartment right after getting rejected by a puppy um <laughs> and an old a nice old yeah. lady and a puppy that's right oh geez so i mean like it's it's seen it's it it seems like the movie does at least at the end portray that like this the undercover cop was his loss is more felt than the loss of the undercover, uh, the undercover agent or the other undercover, um, mobster. But I mean, like you guys were, you guys brought up that we're talking about how, like in the movie, we see Costigan, he shoots somebody in the knee. He's, he breaks multiple pieces of property. Uh, he helps murder somebody who clearly has a child somewhere. He gets hit in the face with that duck toy. Um, and then French shoots him. And Costigan doesn't do anything about it. Um, as opposed to Damon, who I guess, granted, he does knife somebody and doesn't do, and doesn't do anything to help. But like, I, aside from informing mobsters, he doesn't have he doesn't really do any other heinous acts. And he does actually seem to really care about Madeline because he's willing to talk back to Costello uh, on the phone because it, which is clearly something he hasn't done before with how upset Costello gets. Um, then he's talking about like, I've been thinking about leaving the police department and doing law full time. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I have more questions. I feel like I, I want to rewatch the movie. I, I think that like, there's definitely truth to that though. Like, yeah, all the, all the good guys who die get honors and the bad guys do not. I think that there's truth. Like there is actually like, Maybe we came down too hard on Queen and like he his death is uh, sort of singular because he's like, well, it's like seeing President Bartlett, like he looks like President Bartlett, right from the West Wing. And there he is, like he's on this on the floor. He's like, all right, come at me, boys. And he's holding like what he's holding like his rosary, isn't he? And like he gets thrown out and you see him falling. And it's like it's a beautiful shot. Um, but we don't get that for anybody else. Everyone else gets just like, boom, you're gone. 
um i guess with jack nicholson, uh, nicholson. we get like yeah. he he sort of falls cruciform into the uh into the thing which is just fascinating sort of imagery um i think there's a difference i think there's a difference yeah I think, yeah, Dying I think doing the right thing difference. or the wrong thing matters. I, I'm almost getting the sense, I feel like we reached this point with each Scorsese film that he has like the overall he's he's trying to kind of undermine a he, he's trying to like go against the grain with, with, a, with a message, right? Like that there's a blurred ambiguity between cops and robbers there's a parallelism between these rats. But as you talked about it, Pat, it does make me think that at the end of the movie, he kind of undermines his own message. And like, maybe there is a, maybe there is some sort of like ultimate difference in the way people die and the way they're going to be remembered. And maybe that does matter. Um, Maybe there is a balance that like Mark Wahlberg puts into the world where like when the bad guy doesn't die, Mark Wahlberg kills them. Yeah. (laughs) Watch out, bad guys. He's coming with his booties on. (laughs) This this is start. So he's the precursor to the boondock saints. I guess so. I guess so. Well, I, I don't know, guys. I feel like we we gotta we gotta wrap this one up. We're we're at two hours and a I half right now. Yeah. I, gosh, yeah. this movie is so full of things, and I'm amazed that we we talked, like we didn't just quote this movie at each other for two and a half hours. Like we actually <laughs> said things. I don't know. I don't really we talked about the depatted. We talked about the depatted. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I will say I like this movie more now. Having having discussed it more, I do. I, I honestly want I to watch like it again now. Yeah, I'm kind of. I'm like, I'm going to watch it again now. I, I, I there's some things I need to see again for myself. That's incredible. We, we're gonna have to do another pod. We're gonna have to do it again. Yeah, we'll all come back. We'll get Vito here too, and and we'll all all argue. Maybe it'll be a anniversary. To the two departed. <laughs> two <Yeah>. departed. <laughs> Departed, <laughs> departed, er. Departed. All right, hey guys, we got one more question. Uh, Jesse, is the Departed a dad movie? Yeah, it's a dad movie. It's a movie I enjoy. I mean, like when it comes to like the mafia and like undercover cops, I feel like that's inherently kind of dad, um, and like trying to go after each other. Like, I'm not sure if my children are gonna really associate this with me but i think they will say when they get older they're coming to me and be like dad i think you would really like the departed that seems like it's up your alley so that's the sort of association i think i i have with this movie and it's very yeah i think it's all around very dad yeah i i agree i think scorsese's a dad director i'm 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 kind of like Maybe my response to every time you guys ask is just like Scorsese, man. Uh, he's a everything he makes he's... is a dad movie. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely think that while I agree, I'm not sure that it'll be because of a direct like, oh, we had a movie night with dad and we watched The Departed. Maybe that'll happen, but it'll probably be more like 
dad loves Scorsese and dad loves DiCaprio and Damon and Mark Wahlberg. Like these are all actors. Dad loves, this is a director. Dad loves. So absolutely. I, I think it's a dad movie and yeah, I bet my kids will come up to me and be like, dad, 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 I just saw this movie. You're going to love it. And I'll be like, yes, I've seen the departed. I a hundred percent agree. And I have nothing more to add. Pat, what? Uh, I, I, (laughs) yes, I think, I think it's a dad movie, especially in the Conklin household. Dad movie meant it was a movie that dad was going to put on and kick all the, all nine of us kids who are like 12 and under out of the room. And dad would get to watch his dad movies. Uh, So yes, I think that in that context and also in the way that Jesse and Dan were talking about definitely a dad movie. We haven't talked about that as a criteria, but that is great criteria. Will you kick your kids out of the room just so you can watch this movie for two and a half hours? Uh, Is that the purest dad movie? Is when it's just dad's movie? (laughs) Uh, In some ways, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. It's a four-way dad movie. I have a feeling that Vito would have agreed. I wish uh, wish he could have been here, but um, like I said, he was a rat and the angel of death. Mark Wahlberg probably visited him. So, um, I hope not. This goes high in the halls of dad dumb. Um, oh, yeah. I guess... Uh, this is uh, somewhere in the upper pyramid. The upper pyramid. Yeah. I don't think it's at the top, but it's up there. Yeah, I I feel like like it it's in a similar place to Con Air for me. Definitely towards the top. <laughs> I just said that to see Pat's face. Oh, sweet all right. Lord. Oh my gosh. No. Well, that that's no. it from all of us and not your father's movies. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. I'm Jesse. I'm Pat. Good night. Patio patty cakes. <laughs> Patio cakes. Good night. It's perfect.